Hey folks, thanks for joining me for this episode of the Embellish Podcast, a podcast focused on product stories, product storytellers, interesting brand ambassadors, and any other person that I happen to decide I want to talk with. Whether you're a bourbon fan, a geek, a casual observer, or someone just floating through this channel, you're sure to waste a few minutes listening, and I hope you find whatever I have to say interesting. If you got here by chance, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. I can be found on any podcasting platform that exists, and if you can't find me on a platform, send me an email at embellishpod at gmail.com, and I'll try to get that taken care of. I also generally live stream the recording of these episodes on YouTube on Wednesday nights around 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, tonight we're doing a special night because we're going to have uh, a friend joining us. Uh, you can find all of my links on Instagram at EmbellishPod or Twitter with the exact same handle. I have a website. It is www.embellishpod.com. It's also a place to pick up these links, episode details, and some one-off tasting notes. Today is March the 29th of 2022, and we are talking with Perry from... This is my bourbon podcast, and there's there's a few podcasts that I listen to regularly, and and I did before I decided um, what the internet needed was yet one more voice uh, in the auto audio podcasting community about whiskey. Um, your podcast was one of those that I enjoyed. I enjoy its whiskey content. I enjoy the non whiskey related content, and I knew that at some point I wanted to have you on this podcast just to talk. And the reality is, is that. That's the reason why I started this podcast is because I wanted I did a year of just talking to myself in this room um, <laughs> to feel comfortable. Then saying, "All right, now let's invite people in because I want to have I just want to talk to people." Like I, there, there's there's yeah. there's there's fun stuff. Um, before we get into the question and answer portion, you've got some some things going on uh, in the very near future that we absolutely <sighs> want to front load that and make that a part of you know what we're trying to get after here. Yeah, absolutely, John. First of all, thank you so much for uh, for having me on. I am. Um, I, I I realize every now and then that my life is basically just um, sleeping in between podcast work, like <laughs> any anymore. Because I I actually was in the middle of editing my podcast, my episode that comes out tomorrow, um, which is completely off the wall and different from most bourbon content. Uh, despite the fact that we still do a lot of what we normally do, it's just, you know, the meat in the middle of the sandwich is um, us being super nerdy because we went to the Lexington Comic Con this past weekend um, and got to interview uh, Nick Maley, who is known as that Yoda guy. Um, look, look him up. The guy's absolutely um, just incredibly fascinating in the work that he's done Um it's it's phenomenal, but uh, we also got to talk with David Keckner, who played Todd Packer on The Office. Um, he was in Anchorman. Dude, that that interview is only about six minutes long. It's one of the wildest things we've ever done on the show. I mean, it, it was just a nonstop roller coaster, and it was wild. That that's that is fantastic because The Office is my favorite sitcom of all time and and i grew up in a generation having seinfeld as a, seinfeld and friends being a thing that yeah. were you know for my generation todd packer that's that <laughs> i'm now i'm now like, i'm always excited about your episodes but now this is even better. thank you thank you dude but it it, it was just a uh, it, the the whole thing with the con, and I'll I'll get back to doing some promoting, but I don't I don't talk about this on the episode just because um, it didn't really flow super well. But we didn't get the ability to send requests for interviews to uh, the the guests who were going to be at the con beforehand. So what we were told was if there are openings while there are people at their booths, 
and it's not really holding up the line, feel free to go up to them and ask if you can talk with them. Mm-hmm. And the very first person that we saw was David Keckner that we wanted to talk to. And I kid you not, a minute into the interview, we go, oh, so do you, do you like bourbon? Do you normally drink bourbon? And he goes, well, I used to, but I'm sober now. Because he got a DUI in January. It, it is. It, oh like, wow! And we, and we recovered very quickly from it. Right. I mean, like, there's there's not a moment of right. like, well, maybe we shouldn't have done this, or maybe we should cut it out. Because I mean, it's still he's still very very funny, and he's very interesting mm-hmm. in the way that he kind of picks up who we are and and like our um our our, our little quirks about the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's very apparent very quickly. I mean, like he, he you know he's never listened to the show before, of course, and if he if he has, he did a really good job at acting like he had no idea who we were <laughs> but he um he, he just played long he, he and he did such a good job with it and it was so much fun getting to talk with him but anyway so that's the episode that's coming out tomorrow uh which is march 30th we have episodes that come out every wednesday um i i go live on youtube every thursday evening at 8 p.m eastern and um can support the show on patreon patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast for as little as a dollar a month five dollars a month you get a bunch of bonus content um we've been doing some really really goofy fun stuff over there recently um but the i guess the the big one uh is that we are doing a our, our first like really big meetup where it feels like we're structuring things around like making sure that everybody has something to kind of do throughout the other the, the entire weekend um, but it's going to be a Memorial Day weekend. It's going to be here in Lexington. And uh, we are going to be crowning everything or capping everything off with a live show on that Saturday. I believe it's the 28th. So just under two months away. And we uh, we just finalized the the two guests who are going to be on and I don't, i'm not going to spoil it just yet because we haven't announced it to everybody mm-hmm. but i am so so excited to have these people in 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 the the format of this live show because all, already i know how special they are and they're really really great people but also i i think it's important to highlight what they are doing and how we all within this community kind of like, you know, doing this, it, it's mm-hmm. kind of like looking at how the sausage is made in some ways. Um, but like being able to come on your show too, and, and uh, being able to talk about myself, which always makes me slightly uncomfortable. Um, but just showing support for other people within this, um, within this community and this medium and, and everything. So, um, if you want to find out more about that, you can send us an email. This is my bourbon shop at gmail.com or hit us up on social media at my bourbon pod or at whiskey mutant, uh, who is Eric, my co-host. Um, and he's got, he's doing a lot of the like constructing of the skeleton for, for this thing. And I'm just kind of like adding little pops of color here and there and like mm-hmm. making it, you know, it just, just enough to where it's like, this was a collaborative effort, but at the same time, like things would not have gotten as far as they have already um, and wouldn't have gotten as far as they, they will have by the end of it, but uh, without, without Eric. Um, 
so yeah we and we're still kind of working on a name for it i i guess it's going to wind up being called this is my bourbon weekend or this is my bourbon that is immediately what i thought of was this is my bourbon weekend like this, yeah it, exactly it's, it's impossible to escape that branding now after four and a half years that i right. kind of shoehorned into what all i do um and initially i i made a, a an apparel shop because i'm a graphic designer by trade and i wanted to kind of find a way to show you know show my love for bourbon but also you know make a little bit of money off of it as well right but um i i eventually just kind of kept getting more and more into bourbon and um i i started watching it's bourbon night and listening to bourbon pursuit and just kind of falling down that rabbit hole and going I own the podcast too. I, I can't ignore the fact that I right. listened to those guys religiously right before I, I started my own show. Um, and, and just kind of like, I, I got into it and you kind of made the joke about, you know, adding one more podcast to the mix. And like, that's not totally untrue because there are so many of us anymore. And it really does take something kind of special to cut through and everything. But like, when I started, I mean, there were just a handful of, of bourbon podcasts or whiskey podcasts that were in any capacity regularly listened to or, or watched or anything. And I, I think I remember even like four months before I started this my bourbon podcast or Tendip, as I'm probably going to refer to it as Tendip yep. a bunch throughout the episode too. But like just a few months before we started Tendip, I. I think that bourbon pursuit started calling themselves the official podcast of bourbon and i was like oh am i doing the right thing here like right. it, it, am i am i just totally screwing myself over by you know throwing my hat into the ring as well and i mean i'm i'm happy of course with four and a half years later with the you know the success that we've had with it and everything but um i don't want to I don't like talking about that too much. I just like, you know, the I, I, I still kind of think of myself as like, I'm this guy who wanted to talk about bourbon and I've just done a lot of really cool stuff with it ever since I started it. And it's the, the I, and I, it sounds like I'm trying to pat myself on the back and I promise you I'm not, but like the, the success of it was kind of a secondary aspect of the way that things came together. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, you're you're not wrong there, and this is sort of the the conversation that that John from um, Dad Drinking Bourbon and I had over the weekend on uh, Messenger, and it's not that like I don't know him, like I, he he posted something on Instagram and I, I replied John. something back, and then he sent me an immediate message and was like, you know, that's the thing that I enjoy about the whiskey community specifically is that yeah. even the larger um, formatted individuals have almost no problem talking to uh, a guy who's got like 12 followers, you know, like <laughs> no, it's, it's stupid for us to not engage with yep. anybody. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous because I mean, for, for many reasons, but the ones that I really try to hone in on are, we were in the same position at one point mm -hmm. and bourbon's about the community like yep. the bourbon community is just built on reaching out to people and being genuine and finding ways to make people comfortable and make them excited about this thing that we all have devoted so much time and money to but it's you know unless unless it's unless somebody is doing something that is detrimental to the community 
Um, I have no problem engaging with people. I have no problem with it. I think it's like it, it, it's what gives me the most excitement and kind of the most energy for continuing to do the podcast and continuing to just it, 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 be a part of the community in general. Mm-hmm. And that's you know you, you can tell from that when I started, you know, I was struggling for fifteen to twenty minutes. Sure. And, and now I can run thirty minutes on my own, you know, and and I talk for a living. Like I, I have meetings. That's just all I do is, is talk. But <laughs> you, you can tell the difference is that as soon as you introduce another person, I have not had a conversation with a person around whiskey that has lasted less than an hour and a half. You know, like this is, you, you sure. just sort of feed off of each other because, because whiskey and bourbon and, and brown spirit specifically are very communal in nature. It's not, you know, like vodka where you're going to the club and you may be in a community, but no one's really connected. Um, you know, bourbon is usually something you're going to sit down and have a conversation over. You're going to relate to people. You're going to do whatever. And let me, let me ask, Oh, sorry. I do go ahead. Mean to no, no, go ahead. I wanted to to ask you about that specifically because I think that that's something that we all kind of not struggled with, but we saw our um, our relationship with with bourbon and with drinking change as the pandemic started out. Um, how did how did you kind of start dealing with that as uh, coronavirus so <laughs> introduced itself? You know the. I was looking at doing like I was interested in doing a podcast well before the coronavirus hit, before the pandemic hit and all of that. And then, you know, at the drop of a hat, like I was in Sacramento, California, when the first community case hit the United States. You know where it hit in in, in the United States? The first community case was in Sacramento, California, Sacramento, California. Yeah, (laughs) it was one point five miles as the crow flies from the hotel I was staying in the week they announced it, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get back, you know, like, are they going to shut down planes? What are they going to do here? Sure. Um, and I'm long witted, so it'll take me a while to get the point of this. No, go for but, it. Uh, I'm here. I'm here. I told you I could, this is, I, I committed this time to you. So I'm right. here for it, man. Yeah. So I, I, you know, we get on the plane back and, you know, anytime somebody sneezes or cough, everybody's like whipping their head around, like what's going on. <laughs> who, who, who's got it. Everybody stay away from each other. I got back and, you know, within a few days, my office shut down and we went to completely virtual and everyone had to make this adjustment to how they worked. And a lot of us dove into 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks because our office and our home were the same place. We all worked right here. And so this idea of wanting to start a podcast sort of, you know, floundered and sat on the back because I'm trying to adjust to what the new normal is and working from home. But yeah, I got more podcasts can be very consumptive and you're, you're listening to it while you're driving to work, you're doing something else. But it seemed like uh, a lot of the podcasting community started looking towards um, some way to commune with folks, uh, whether it be through live streaming, through, through Patreon, through some other type of virtual of zooms, zooms went nuts. And yeah. because we didn't have, or me specifically, I didn't have a physical community anymore. I started searching out for a digital community and I have coworkers, but sometimes you get tired of talking to those people. And so the virtual whiskey community learned real fast how to become a actual virtual community. Yeah. And the more that I interacted with people, did a live tasting, did a Zoom, did something else, the more I wanted to do it 
some more. And so, and then it kind of bled into, all right, let's start the podcast so I can do this on a regular basis. Cause I'm in a remote part of Western Kentucky and finding 15 people that are really, really interested in whiskey to the level that I am is not difficult, but it's difficult to align everybody's schedule and be able to kind of meet up. And so, um, all of that to say, like it made available and made, um, more realistic having virtual whiskey communities. And what I'm interested in seeing is as things start to relax and we, you know, we've got whiskey weekend coming up this weekend and then you've got your event and there's a number of events that are starting to happen. I think, and and I'll, I'll give you my relation. I think that these are going to mean so much more than they did before. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I I do think that people were, I, I won't say completely unaware of the importance of that because I mean, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to the first two whiskey weekends and, and just feel the in, in intense love and, and sense of community that is present by being with a group of people like that for, you know, four days and, and just, you know, constantly like loving on each other and everything and just being happy to be in each other's presence. And, um, I, I do think, though, that, yeah, like things are going to start in some ways meaning more, you know, as I, I agree with you, just, you know, we're, we're going to see an intensity of, you know, excitement for for just being with people again uh, that we didn't have in, a, in particular ways beforehand. But like I part part of me asking that question, too, is like is it it's it's almost like self um self confessing i guess or like mm-hmm. self um self shaming not not i don't think that's the exact way that i want to put that but like the the uh, the outset of the pandemic like was i mean for me it was rough and it wasn't because like i i was you know and and i mean there there i i deal with plenty of anxiety and depression. And I mean, like that was, uh, you know, hit to infinity during the, especially the early days of the pandemic. But like, you know, I I think that I'm not alone in saying that a lot of my reaction to it was, Hey, I'm home. I'm, I'm going to drink more, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and just being like, well, you know, it's the end of the, like kind of like joking about it, but at the same time, like giving yourself the excuse to, to do it, but being like, I'm going to, you know, just have a drink and I'm going to have a little, nothing else to do and, and everything. And like coming, coming off of that was a little bit difficult difficult, excuse me, just, you know, kind of like reestablishing what my relationship with, with bourbon was and, mm-hmm. and everything, because I mean, it's not, it's not an easy, it's not an easy thing to rectify initially. Um, but it, it, it is an easy thing to, fall down the rabbit hole. Of. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we were all left with like this big void of what life was. Yeah. And, and yeah. how do you resolve that? And you don't have, and th- this is, you know, this is the thing where I think that community, whether it have been whiskey community or where you work or whatever, like having a community to rely on helped resolve a lot of those things, but there's nothing. Like, it's very hard to replace human interaction. You know, in, in a, oh in yeah, a, for sure. 
in a world like sure. we're in right now, it's incredibly hard to replace it. And there's there's this uh, music artist. Uh, he's an Americana artist. His name's Drew Holcomb. You may or may not know who he is. I do um, know Drew Holcomb. Yeah. Yeah. So um, my my family huge fans of Drew Holcomb. We've been to see him uh, you know a handful of times. But awesome. whenever the pandemic hit, you know you've got these people who are used to touring a couple hundred days a year. And now they're sitting mm-hmm. at home. And so he and his wife started doing this uh, kitchen concerts and they would do covers. And every once a week, they would do three or four songs. They would do them live on Instagram and sort of trying to create that community back again. And so they could see people's feedback and they're playing, you know, they're covering Willie Nelson or they're covering Nirvana or they're covering whatever, right? In, in their yeah. um, Americana sense, right? They're not trying to recreate it. But the first concert that my children went to was theirs and they, their first in-person cool. post pandemic concert was um, Valentine's day of last year. Right. And in, in 2021, yeah. Um, yeah. they played the Ryman and, you know, we, we picked it because we, my wife and I love music. We think that's, you know, you know yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And the Ryman is one of the best venues to ever see. And Dude, what we could a, take what a our place, children. What a place to go! Right, oh. we could take our children in an environment where we knew because they're still social distancing, and so people weren't allowed within eight feet of us. And there's not a ton of standing, and it's not a super overly loud concert, and it's music that they thoroughly enjoy. And so we go to this concert, and they get on stage, and at the end of every song, there is a genuine and heartfelt thank you, and they're borderline of tears because they're yeah. they're they're drinking from the fire hose of emotion that they've. Yeah, been missing for so long. You can try to replace it virtually, but it still doesn't. And that's what I'm kind of getting to is like when when you show up to a thing like Whiskey Weekend or you show up even to the Kentucky Bourbon Festival this year. Yeah, like you could tell people they were there to be introduced to new whiskey and have conversations, but they were really there to commune, to be around yeah. people that they knew. You saw people huddle up in the groups of friends, the people that they've already and and they're just sort of clinging to each other because they've been missing that vacuum for so long. I, I had that same kind of experience at uh railbird here in mm-hmm. Lexington back in, back in August when the band, band of horses was one of the, I think they were one of the head, headliners. Um, and if they weren't, they were, you know, second or third billing, but I, and I, I'd always kind of on the periphery really liked that, that band and enjoyed listening to them. But you know, I think that they even said, like, this is the first time that we've played in front of anybody in, you know, a year and a half. And it's same thing. Like, they, it was just, you know, them trying to the, the lead singer trying to get through a yep. sentence without without breaking down. And it was like, oh, my gosh, I, for, I forgot about this. I forgot about, you know, it, and it's not to say that, you know, I wasn't still trying to keep up with, you know, the artists that I love and mm-hmm. um trying to you know support them as much as i could but like it just that that connection of being at a show or being at a concert or um you know it i would so i i mentioned earlier and that i um studied graphic design and like that's my the thing that i kind of used as like leverage into all of my little things that i do i uh, creatively which is also a creative pursuit but regardless you understand what i mean right um a big part of what i did when i was in college was go and listen to people give lectures on design Mm -hmm. and it it just like even even the little 
times now where I can listen to somebody talk about art or talk constructively about like, you know, even just Ted talks. It was yeah. something that I kind of like ignored throughout most of the pandemic because I just I don't know. I was just kind of trying to like get through it. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of us were doing. It was like, just get through this. We let's and, and you know, there was all of that positive messaging of we're in this together and, you know, we're working towards everything being better. And but like so many of us were like, I'm just trying to get through to tomorrow. Yeah. Like that, that I think is where, you know, a lot of us realized that um, we are a little bit more extroverted than we kind of wanted to mm -hmm. say that we were um, initially. And, you know, we do thrive on the, the energy of other people. And, um, you know, like it, it's, it's weird because it, it just did something so massively contradictory to, mm -hmm. I think, creatives in general. Um, this is a, such a tangent from, from bourbon, but I, I you know, I, I do think, it's, yeah, I mean, like it's, it's important to talk about too, but it, like, it, it was, it was so tough because I mean, like I've, I've been, I've also been a musician since I, I was about 13, 12 or 13 when I started playing guitar. Um, and it, it like, you would think that I would be more excited about, you know, having time to, to be home and, and play music more and write new songs and everything but it just was like it was so soul-sucking to be home and be away and mm -hmm. it, it just you know it, it you you just feel this constant like oh when are we when are we going to be done with this when is this going to be over and like and I, and I know that some people still kind of feel that and i do think that it's uh trending in the right direction finally but um like reigniting or refinding passion in things and excitement for things after the the hell that was you know 2020 and 2021 um it, it's difficult man it's difficult but it's it's been um it's been interesting like me at least thinking you know what i'm going to dedicate an hour out of my day if if i can if i can you know justify it to sit down and play guitar mm -hmm. like just to actively you know, make sure that I am, I am exercising those muscles and my brain is working in that direction. And, you know, also like what comes with that is also actively saying I need to drink less as well, because I mean, those two things are not conducive to each other. Right. Like <laughs> you have to be, you have to have your, your wherewithal to be coordinated and, and to be active on a, uh, you know, well, well, playing music and i mean if you're if you've been drinking too much then you can't necessarily do that successfully so yeah um this is a, this is a long way around of me like again kind of self-telling that you know i i did i had a i had a pretty rough time during the you know original uh, i don't know 18 months of the pandemic and then you know as things kind of started to ease up a little bit it was um I don't know, like the fog kind of lifted, I guess. Yeah. And, but, and it feels like it's, it's lifting, you know, faster and faster here recently. It is. And the it thing is, that yeah. I try to like, I try to frame it in is I feel like we went through like, it, it, it's sort of like, and I don't want to correlate it to, to, to war, but it's like, if you've ever been through something really difficult with friends, the death of a friend, the, you know, a terrible accident, something, you know, you all come out. Friend, the other side. friend breakups. 
Right. Yeah. Friend. Anything. Dude, you, come dude, up. you know what we don't talk about enough in general is friend breakups. Friend breakups are almost more devastating than romantic breakups. I, I, I would it, hold that they are because usually those friendships that whenever they start dying, those friendships had spanned several romantic relationships. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Absolutely. I, and, and just, you know, years of trust and, and, you know, being able to confide in, in the other person. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, I mean, whether it's an active, you know, cancellation of that relationship or if it's just, you know, slowly drifting apart over time, um, it's it is painful, man. It is a painful thing, and I th I, I'm I'm almost happier that you brought up like friend uh, friendships, uh, you know, dealing yeah. with friendships more than you know romantic relationships. Yeah, before. I mean, well, I mean, friendships are so for so pervasive, regardless of of whether you have romantic relationships or not. And I have like two two different relation friendships that I can remember. One was like a, just a hard cut. It's it, we're not friends anymore for whatever reason. You know, this is somebody I've been friends with for a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. And then another one, I think the one that was worse is that I I had a friend for a very long time during college and we remained in contact after college. And my wife and I went up to visit this friend where they live and I literally watched the friendship die over the course of just spending a couple of days around this person. And oh my we're still friendly. You know, it's not, um, it's not that there's any animosity. Like I went to the person's wedding, you know, spent some time after the fact, but you could just tell that it wasn't there anymore. And it's sort of yeah. like if, if, if you lose a family member in a snap or do you watch the deteriorate over time? Like, which is worse. And, and yeah. they can all both have their different unique problems. Yeah, I, I I wish that we just kind of in general would talk more about, you know, how how hard it is to cope with the um with the ending of friend relationships. It, right. it I just like it, it. There there was one that I had in in particular, and we had been friends for I uh, close close to a decade by the time that we actively parted ways, and I just like. I, like it, it was such a weird moment, like adjusting to the fact that I can't just text that person or call that person and say, you know, I, I hope that you're doing well. I know we haven't talked in a little while, mm -hmm. or, you know, here's what's been going on with me recently. And, um, you know, I, it's not to say that new friendships and new relationships don't like evolve out of, you know, the, the gap that is left, but like that, it's a really hard, like a, a level of trust to, you know, build up and regain, over time, but I do think that uh, I, I and I, I think that this is also not incongruous to the way that people develop relationships through through bourbon and whiskey too. But um, you know, it it does allow you to be a little bit more. Um, sorry, the cat's eating food next to me. <laughs> so if you hear large. Large, I don't uh, hear anything. Yet, noise. It is what it, it is. It, my... it, it picked up in my headphones through my mic. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that's I, I share a room with the cats, basically, where I have all of my equipment in my, my bar. They'll but, eventually um, uh, our, our cat will come up here eventually yeah, and, and meow yeah. at me for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Yep. So mm -hmm. I, I understand either that or a kid will one or the other. A child will do it or, or <laughs> the child will meow at you. Yeah. Uh, one, the youngest child very well might because sometimes she is a cat. So. <laughs> But regardless, the point that I was trying to make is that you do find yourself being more selective, I guess, in yeah. the the p 
people that you put time and effort and and you know hard work into because i mean you can't waste your time with somebody that's gonna just you know drop you like a fly you right. just you know be be positive be excited and you know open to the relationships that are going to be the most uh invigorating in some ways i guess i think that's one of the things that we can take out of the pandemic specifically is communication for us got really really cheap pre-pandemic right like you had yeah, absolutely sure. no problem yeah. sitting at a table with a person completely ignoring them while having your cell phone out right like you had no problem doing that because you could have that moment again a few minutes later or whatever yeah. else you could put off what was in front of you for the thing that was in a, a, a virtual environment and, and as you're you, talking about that i got a notification on my phone that i immediately looked at like yeah the, well i mean the, 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 the irony I, the, is not lost on me I've, I've looked at mine as well because it keeps popping up you know something <laughs> pop up and I'm, I'm inevitably waiting for a work or a, 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 a wife email or message creatures of habit but it got really, really cheap. And yeah. then when you couldn't interact with a person face to face, you start to realize like how important it was. And I've noticed at least myself in personal interactions after the fact, I'm more likely to leave my phone laying face down and interact with this person because we could, you know, like coronavirus was a novel virus, right? It was a thing that happened yeah. here in the United States. And this is going to happen again in two years three years with a completely different yeah. mm -hmm. new unique virus where we're like yeah, of course. going back into a quarantine environment. So it's like consume all of you can while you can, because you may be back and, and the world has proved that we can continue on largely in a lot of ways and still have commerce and still do a whole ton of things yeah. while being protective of, of the, 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 the smallest and the oldest portions of our population. You know, it's, it's a unique, unique situation that we're in, but like I say, it, it gave us the ability to do that. And then there's this other thing of every, every generation needs its thing to be able to create art from. Right. So like my generation has things like desert storm or nine 11, right. As bad as coronavirus and the pandemic and the quarantine, all of that has been, I'm interested in, what's going to be derived from it musically, artistically, visually, whatever, yeah. right? It, yeah, of it's, course. it's going to be a thing. Yeah. And, and, and I hope that it gets to the point eventually where it's like, you remember that time when, how crazy was that time? And, mm -hmm. and I, that's, that's such a reductive way to talk about the, the things that have happened over the past few years, which have in many large ways been atrocious. I mean, mm -hmm. there there have been in, incredibly difficult times for a lot of people, but um, I don't know. It's not often that you like think about the fact that you were in the middle of a history book being written, but it's it's impossible to escape. I think I'm I am during, over during being in this. the middle of a history book that's being rewritten. <laughs> like it, in in my generation, right? So I'm I am I am on the edge of Generation X, right? So I was born in 1980. So some put me in Generation X, some put, make me an elder millennial or a geriatric millennial. I don't know what it I'm, is. I'm towards the tail end of um, of millennials. I think I have a good like two or three year cushion. Um, right. But yeah, yeah. But that, we, we got to see like the Challenger explode yeah. in real time. Like that's the thing that we watched as kids. Like we're all sitting in elementary school. We watched this thing happen. So there's history. And then 
and this is the thing that's really messed up. Like I'm, I've, I've thought about this a lot here recently with what's going on in Ukraine, because now we can watch what's happening in Ukraine on TikTok. But when I was a kid, like every night the news was just displaying in real time, what was happening in desert storm. Like we were just watching war happen yeah. and being enthralled with it. And then we have the LA riots and we watched all of that happen in real time. And then we have the OJ verdict. We have right. Like there's so I'm, I'm ready to not like, can we have a dull period for a little while? Just, just, just no news. My, my favorite thing I think that I heard after, um, and, and maybe, maybe like halfway through the pandemic or the, you know, 2020 was somebody saying like, can we just count the, can we just not count this year? Like, yeah. can we just say like, if, if you were about to turn 30 in 2020, like you can be, you can skip that. And in 2021, you can actually be 30. And yeah, like, like it was just kind of a pause button yeah. for, for everything. And like, you know, in, in some ways, I mean, it was kind of like that. I mean, we didn't really, we did get the chance to be more mindful and sit back and think a little bit more about the way that we approach other people. And I've, I've said this many, many times um, recently, but the biggest thing that the pandemic did for me personally was expand what my grasp of empathy is. You know, yes. I, I just it, and and it it boils down to and I, I you know if I ever get asked the question of like why are they doing that or why would somebody think that or feel that way or whatever it's mm -hmm. just and and it's it is again a little reductive but the answer for me is quite frankly they're just not wired the same way that I am right you know I mean it, it, it's it's all part of the human experience to not see things through the same lens and that can be and, okay like and, and we can be okay with with it there's no reason extent. for it not to be okay <laughs> there's, there, there, I mean, there are some things like there are some things that you like you you're just not allowed well, there, there are exceptions there are right. exceptions but yes but part, I, like, yeah we're, we're we're getting i think you know we're swinging because i, I agree with you I, I am not a naturally empathetic person at all my wife has all the empathy for us she's a she is an emotion eater like if you're feeling something she's in it with you all the way to the end yeah and I'm the, you know, let's not have emotions and let's just talk about the, be Dr. Spock, you know, I'll be Dr. Spock here and she can be, you know, your, your empath connection. But this, yeah, this thing has had, has put me in the same sort of situation where it's like, look, you know, everybody's dealing with this in a unique and different way. Yeah. And sure. if they're not hurting me and they're not hurting somebody else and they're not breaking a law. That's key. That's the thing, man. Like. That that is the most key thing that, mm -hmm. and I mean, like I even had some kind of like grasp of that when I was younger mm -hmm. too, and just saying like you know, do whatever the heck you want as long as it's not hurting anybody else, you know. But like it, it's, I don't know. I feel like even that can be a little reductive and and a little bit too simplistic in in terms of trying to, you know, justify why somebody else might be doing something that you're. Um, you've got to understand you're not simplistic. Doing... you've got to understand it from the simplistic viewpoint before you can understand it from absolutely the deeper, right like so you got to start it's foundational like, you, you may never take it another level it's you know some why there's you know philosophy 201 203 203 <laughs> 204 right 201 is going to give you the basis to understand the rest of it and you may never go a step further and that's okay yeah um, but you may choose to dive in head first and then you end up in some some really yeah and, and swan made a really great point here it's a bit crazy I how many it. times it, once in a million events have happened in the last 15 years it's been wild 
and and I I know that like, um, I, I I don't know. I think that the older millennials of our you know of our generation kind of feel that weight. I think that your you know tail end of Gen X definitely feels that weight too. Of just like, you know, when you look at the the <laughs> the decline in mental health and the way that people you know are kind of dealing with things, it's like. It, 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 and I mean, there was that period, too. I don't think that we're quite um, I don't think that we're quite feeling it anymore um, or as much as we were. But it was just kind of like waking up and going like, all right, what's next? Like, what's the thing that's happening today? Right. What do I have to deal with for the next 12 to 15 yeah, hours? Like, whatever then... happened with the murder hornets? Like, remember that? Bro, like, oh, bro. <laughs> The murder hornets. Like this is this is the like I kept. We were all waiting for zombies. Like everyone was waiting for zombies, and the zombies never happened. I I, ridiculous it got. I wanted, and in like the the slightly sadistic part of my brain was like I wanted everything to just kind of happen at once. Mm -hmm. Like just just to kind of like maybe not even sadistic, but just to like kind of get it over with. Like oh, we've got a plague. Let's get it over with. Oh, we've got the murder hornets. Let's get that over with. Like just, Ripping you know, just off. going going through it so that we can have like peace time for a little while. Right. And it's it, it's part of being an adult and part of like growing up that you realize that eh, it's not that easy. Like you can't just finish all your work by 2 p.m. on a Tuesday and then relax for the rest of the week until you have your 40 hours. Right. Like it's yeah. it's never going to be that simple. No. But on the off chance that it is, you know, we do still maintain some of that hope where it's like, how much can we cram in in the next couple of days? Like what, what can we just get out of the way so that we, you know, can relax a little bit and, you know, maybe plan a trip to the beach or maybe figure out like what we're going to be doing over the holidays or, you know, just engage more in, in leisure activity. And I think a, a big part of my brain, I think that as well because of the fact that we had so much leisure time during the pandemic too, where it was like, yeah, well, I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to go sit on the couch, watch some TV. I'm going to eat my dinner in front of the TV. And I'm going to get in bed and I'm going to watch TV and I'll fall asleep. Right. And that's the end of my day. <laughs> there, there's, there's a song out there. And I can't remember what it is, but there's a particular line. Let's just skip to the good part. Like, <laughs> can, can we do that like you, you you're wanting to, to cram it all in so we can just let's, let's get past it and let's get what, what is it whatever. what is it that uh andy says at the end of the office i wish that there was some way to know that you're living in the good old days when it's the good old days yeah 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 exactly yes so. I, I, absolutely i just want to skip to the good old days yeah for sure for, for, sure. for sure anyway this has been a, a great way to start off this i literally fun, have asked none of the questions that i started with. <laughs> But I'm okay with that. That's that's exactly how this ends up, right? Like this, this is what is, happens with me: is you sit down and I start asking you questions, and we start going off on tangents. I I'm, mean, it, it's. <laughs> I, I am I am absolutely here for that. Um, so one of the questions I do have, right? Yes. This is the thing that I find um, AJR the good part. That's like there good, we go. Tim Evans has got it. He, he's got the Thanks, music Tim. for it. I'm not up on pop. I'm an old man. So I read an article that was talking about, you know, like people who collect whiskey, people who collect whiskey likely collected 
something else when they were younger. What was the thing that you collected when you were a kid? Was it comic books? Was it baseball cards? Was it magic? Was it what was it? Was it well, was strap it? in, strap in, John, because the list seemed to never end at after some at some point. Um, here, here's here's before I get into it, I want to I want to justify something. I think that this is why I have a hard time keeping good bottles around for a long time. Um, because my intention with collecting was always to uh, use it or enjoy it, mm-hmm. right? So, um, golly, where to start? Um, I think initially it was probably like Pokemon cards on the very, very early onset of this. And even then I didn't, you know, actively do it. It was just kind of as I got older and I started like collecting um Pokemon toys and then I started getting into uh, Dragon Ball Z and I had just this sack almost literal sack of like Dragon Ball Z toys that I would go in and and just play with and I mean nothing ever really stayed in the package for me because you know I, I wanted to I wanted to play with it I wanted to be engrossed in that in that world and everything and then um, I bounced around a bit Yu-Gi-Oh cards for a while. We had a lot of Lego in our house too. We had so much Lego when I was growing up. Um and I I was it was it was off air I think that we talked about, you know, who who we played with when we were growing up, but like mm-hmm. I played with my my brother more than anybody. Um when I was growing up, my brother was was and is I would say my my best friend, but um we we would bounce around from like you know a couple weeks we'd be doing nothing but playing lego and then we'd be like i'm kind of feeling like doing some dragon ball z stuff or like oh you know what we haven't touched on star wars in a while or you know um do we really i don't know can we really shoehorn all of these things in together and like we we do these big like collaborative weeks too where it was like oh star wars exists in the same universe as spider-man and what's what is goku doing here too and like (laughs) where where are all these things like it was just kind of like um i don't know i collected a lot of things with uh like i said the intent to to enjoy um and and to you know share as well um and like i i my my biggest flaw with like good bottles of of bourbon or whiskey is that i get really excited about them i open them first for myself i really like what i have and then i take it to somebody else and i say you've got to try this Mm -hmm. and then i do it again and again and again and again and by the time that i realize that i have overdone it i have maybe a quarter of the bottle left and i'm like do i keep this or do i finish this like <laughs> right it, i mean it's it, usually it, the it, last like two ounces that are are my problem right it's like I'm, exactly i'm down to, I'm down to a yeah. couple ounces like what do i and do I, here and i i drank like so much of my good stuff during the pandemic mm-hmm. i mean like antique collection and pre-fire stuff and like and it's not to say that i didn't share a lot of it too mm-hmm. but like i you know there was that mindset of like don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Right. Just you literally like, into it. We literally could be fighting zombies. So the antique collection doesn't matter anymore <laughs> because, you know, we're just trying to survive. You know, I, 
I panic bought 50 pounds of flour. Cause I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I can make bread. We're, we're good to go. You know, we've got, I still have 45 pounds of flour. You know, like that's, that's, that's the first I've ever heard anybody say that they panic bought flour. Like it, it's, well, there's, there's two people who do that bakers and someone who's completely lost their mind. Like there's no, there's no in between John. Well, and I think the, I know which category there. you fall into. No, no, no. I don't, I don't hit either. I hit the, <laughs> I'm thinking three, three levels down the supply chain, right? We ran out of bread. You remember okay, like, that's we, totally, that's bread, totally right? fair. You couldn't find bread. And then after that, you couldn't find flour at the store to make bread because everybody was making pandemic sourdough bread, right? And there's a local like co-op type thing where you can do bulk orders and they'll do like fruit in the summertime. They'll do, you know, apples. You can get 50 pounds of apples for dirt cheap, which we did to make, you know, a cider out of. Because I want to experiment with things like we try. But it just hit that whenever we were having all these shortages, they were like, we're doing a run where you could get flour. And I'm like, give me 50 pounds because that was the smallest (laughs) amount that I could purchase. I couldn't buy like a five pound bag or anything. But I was like, give me 50 pounds because who knows what's about to happen next, but I can at least barter and make bread. And like, there's things that we can do here. Yeah. And still have bread, you know, cause I, I that's where I'm thinking. I'm like, eh, do I need a 55 gallon drum of rice and beans too? You know, I don't know. Uh, hey, but I've got enough flour to maybe justify that. Correct. So, right. Like yeah. we, we now have a general store. So when everything collapses, we can barter off, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's where it is, you know, and the whiskey's antiseptic slash medicine slash mm. whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. you can do all these things, but no, I, a little bit crazy, but you know, I, I, I shouldn't have been so reductive there. I no, 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 you're, you're not <laughs> wrong because uh, my wife said the exact same thing. She's like do do 50 pounds of flour. And I'm like, I don't know, but it's not expensive. We're going to find out together and if we need it. <laughs> We have it right in sickness and in health okay. to be prepared. Like I was in the Boy Scouts when I was a kid. Always be prepared. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I didn't take it to Eagle Scout, so I wasn't, I'm not that prepared, but you know, <laughs> buying 50 pounds of flour prepared. Hey, it, it was ingrained in you for sure. Right. Yeah. They, 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 they got their message. They got their marketing, right. Everything worked out, but, um, <laughs> they, perfect tangent yeah um so (laughs) collecting things is 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 something that i think all whiskey people do but i'm with you on the consumptive nature of it like i collected things whenever i was a kid with the intent to use them to play with them to what you know one of my coworkers, he collects funko pops which is cool you know a lot of people do that but every one of his is in an unopened box and i'm like so you never like actually physically touch any of them and he's like i touched the box and i'm like yeah, there's a few on my shelf. Stan, there's like, Stanley, like I, Stan, is a part of like not just my life, but he's like part of my set and my, yeah. you know, all of my stuff. But like, you know, what's way more fun than just to having them sitting in a box is like the fact Being that I can, I, I can put them in a whiskey glass, or I can right. put them, you know, he's hiding one week over in the, the humidor or or whatever. It's just so much more fun to like play with your toys. Why, why would like? <laughs> When you were a kid, did you get like a GI Joe and keep it in the package and never open it up? No, never. Crazy. Never, never. But, but I also think too, that like, I like that, that experience is so shaped by not knowing that there is anything in, in, in regards to like retail value or resell value, excuse me. Um, like after, 
you know, you you've bought it and you've looked at it in the package for so long and you're like, well, just make a couple hundred bucks off of it, whatever. I mean, you're you know, you're eight, nine years old and you're like, no, I, I want to open this this pack of, of Yu-Gi-Oh cards and see what I, you know, what I get into and, and whatnot. Right. But but see, the thing is, is, I think most people aren't. This is where I look at it, like because I, you know, I got into baseball cards when I was a kid because that was about the only thing you could collect. It's baseball cards, and comic books, yeah, That's all you could collect in the eighties. Like you didn't have. Oh yeah, I forgot about comic books. I right, mean, I, that was. A given, I had to. Right? I had to be. I had to be actively. Um, I had to actively say to myself, I can't buy any more comic books because I don't <laughs> have the space for it. Like, and mm-hmm. and I stopped. I stopped well before my brother did. Like, yeah. <laughs> my my brother just got all of his comic books out of my my parents house um like a couple weeks ago um and that was one of the things where like me and my brother collected and then he never took care of anything so i always ended up with it yeah whenever he had because he wouldn't take care of it and then i would give them away to somebody who was like getting interested in collecting and i'm like oh you know i'm i'm getting older and i don't want that and then i would buy back again you know as i got a little older you know adult age yeah in my thirties, like I'm gonna buy back again and just, you know, cause I want to read through and touch them and you know, whatever. And then some kid, you know, my nephew's like, Oh, I'm really into comic books. I'm like, here you go, man, have these. And I'm, I'm back in the cycle of like rebuilding mm-hmm. a stack of comic books again. So I should have just kept the first round of them. Well, but, it, you know. it's why I like, um, and not so much right now because Amazon's completely ruined it, but comiXology, um, mm-hmm. Because I, I can read things still, but it's digital and it's not really taking up any space in my house. And um, I, I don't know. I think that I am kind of also now dealing with the thought that and it's it's because of the way that Amazon has handled um, comiXology and, and how they just absolutely just punted any kind of quality that they, they had with it. Um, but starting to get worried about like what am I going to do when all of this stuff goes away? Like I, they're not going to send me physical copies to replace the digital ones that I, I bought, no. you know, like I, I, I'm a, I like, <laughs> I'm backtracking on like the decisions that I've made of like what I want to collect and how I want to collect them. So mm-hmm. now I'm thinking like, and, and I mean, it could be, you know, I don't mind trade paperbacks, but you know, I could hop on plenty of those, but, but also like, having to buy um blu-rays or you know the sequel to blu-rays or whatever those are going to be you know because eventually i mean digital movies are going to go away but i mean i i just like i love the convenience of it though i love the convenience of like having all of my music in apple music in the cloud i love being able to go to movies anywhere and you know just like i I bought the i bought the new spider-man the day that it came out yeah. And I watched it the day that it came out and I was like, it was because, I mean, it was partially because I couldn't wait for it, you know, the ability to watch it again, but also like the convenience of watching the new Spider-Man movie before anybody else. Like when it, when it was, you know, in my, in my own home. But, I've been putting off rewatching Spider-Man since I saw it in the theater because I came out with enough questions that <laughs> I don't know that it would be healthy to watch it again now. And then I just went over the weekend and watched the Batman for my first watch. All right. And what do you, what did you think? <sighs> so, <laughs> <laughs> that is never a good sign when you ask somebody okay. what they think. And then they take so, that deep sigh. 
No, it's it's not bad. I, my wife asked me the same question. I was like, I think I love it and hate it. Like I think like, I'm 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 torn. My my first thought is like, is Gotham now like Seattle? Why is it always raining in Gotham? Like, every <laughs> doesn't that fit? But I feel like that fits the the general vibe of what Gotham is. Though does it Don't need you? to be rainy to fit the vibe? You can get the dark and overcast and gritty. You can get that vibe without the rain, right? Like it literally <laughs> rained for a third of the movie. There's some there's something about asking the question: Is Gotham like Seattle now? Which implies that. It rains a lot, but they've got great coffee. <laughs> you know, it, it may not be. Too, they were, like, I they were a it. big part of a new musical style that came out. <laughs> that I'm getting there. So that's the other part of it is that it felt to me like an attempt to make a, you know, we had the emo Spider-Man, right? Yeah. Yeah. This yeah, is the grunge Batman. I don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I've I've seen the comparisons between um, Robert Pattinson and the lead singer of uh, um, the Smiths and uh, My Chemical Romance. I mean, it's, I'm th- this is the grunge <laughs> Batman, and I, I'm here for it because like grunge is my generation, like Nirvana. You know, like yay. You know, we're all here. It's in the movie. They're literally making. Chicago is the best Gotham backdrop. Just saying. Okay. I, I, I don't with disagree with you, Tim. I, I, I don't either, but it felt like now Batman as a detective in this. I enjoyed early a plus Patterson as Bruce Wayne, I think will develop well. And I think, you know, that's the, the concept is they're going to, he's going to get his footing and spoiler alert. If you haven't watched it yet, you don't want to, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, at this but, point, you're actively avoiding it. Correct. I yeah, I, I, I wasn't actively avoiding it. It was just finding a time when I could go watch a three-hour movie and my wife is point. not interested and my children are not interested. But I made it to a matinee over the weekend. You know, we, we're they're already being outstripped in sales by someone else. So that means that you've had enough time. Good time, yeah. But I think he will develop into a good Bruce Wayne eventually. But... There was a significant amount of the movie that was also just like him looking down at an angle or him looking up at an angle and not speaking. <laughs> like it was, a, they they were trying to use his body as emotion way too much. I felt like so. A lot of my problem is more cinematic than it is storyline. Yeah, like it's yeah. raining all the time. I'm gonna look off here pensive. I'm gonna look off here angry. I'm gonna look off here sad. You know, like that's that's what a ton of it was. Um. The introduction of the Joker. I'm excited about what it can bring. I, you know, I, I mean that, that and rightfully so they should have taken it out of the movie, but the, the deleted scene. Yes. That they just put out is amazing. It's an amazing, like four or five minutes of, of, of cinema. When, when and, that popped up on my YouTube feed, I was like, I have to go watch the movie now because I, I didn't yep. watch this, the clip. I did not watch the clip ahead of time, but it popped up. They're like this, un- this, this, uh, unaired clip. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, they're starting to drop these. I got to go watch the movie now because <laughs> what a weird, what a weird it. move, by the way, that studios are now starting to, cause the director for Morbius as well, which I've look, I am excited for Morbius in mm-hmm. all of the exact opposite ways that I was excited for a movie like the Batman or Spider-Man no way home. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see how utterly garbage Morbius is. I think it is going to be one of the worst movies I've seen in a really long time. 
but like the director went on a, in in like an interview and just spoiled a bunch of the stuff that was yes. in the movie. What are you doing? Why why are you doing this? I th- I think that they're acknowledging the fact that it, exactly like you said, you can have purchased a digital copy of Spider-Man the day it came out. Yeah. If you're not looking at purchasing, you can have access to a bootleg copy immediately. So spoilers are dropping content from the movie while it's out are not really a thing anymore. We're not necessarily going for the story because a lot of people like my wife have already looked up what's going to happen on the movie before they show up. We're there to be entertained by the cinematic quality of how they put it together. Right. Yeah. Um, And especially if you're coming from like a comic book background, you're going in to watch Spider-Man. You have a loose idea of, you know who the villains are going to be. Yeah. So you have a loose idea of what the storyline is going to be. And yeah. if you don't know what's happening in the Marvel or the DC universe yet, it's because you've been actively avoiding it. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I get why they're doing it. It's it's potentially even creating hype around if they deleted this, what did they leave in? You know, like, what do I need? True. To go oh, see yeah, for sure. This? For sure. Yeah, I get that, too. Now, the deletion of of, of Joker was absolutely tactical. Because it's going to generate interest for a second wave of people to go watch the movie. Yeah. Um, it, it, the, the thing that I've been thinking about the most, and it was off the back of the conversation that the guys from the Weekly Planet had about this deleted scene, uh, it was, do you think that they are now locked into this particular depiction of this character? Or do you think that they are giving themselves enough wiggle room to say we're not married to this representation of the Joker and we're going to change him up a little bit by the time we actually see him on screen. Next, I think if they do that, they'll put another movie in between. There'll be something in between this and the next thing. That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. That, that will sure. occur to allow that space to happen. Because if you tease Joker and then the next movie is a completely different Joker, mm-hmm. you have a problem. You have a big problem. You're going to lose a lot of people. Like we're all going to be like, what the hell are you? You're going to bring Jared Leto back. What's happening? Oh, please. No, please. No, I think, I think Jared Leto might be the most overrated slash worst actor of this current generation of actors. I think he is just so, so bad. I think his music's pretty good, but I think that like he, he is everything that embodies like, what makes people roll their eyes at actors being actors? Do you, does that make sense? Like, no, he just... I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't know enough of what <laughs> Leto does beyond the Joker. Like, because I'm that I old. Just, just don't call me Boomer, whatever you want to. I does it's it's not even that. I'm just gonna chalk it up to. Don't worry about it. Artsiest no, actor Tim I Evans. Have to, I have to go look now. Like, I've got to figure out what else he's worked on. Well, that he was I just might in, absolutely know about. He was in House of Gucci, that just yeah, came no. out with uh, Lady Gaga and okay. uh, Adam Driver. Well, Requiem for a Dream. Okay, yeah. He was in Panic Room. He was in American Psycho. I love that movie. I love that. Movie. That's. So I mean, bad. I'll give I'll give him a pass for that movie just because that movie is so good. Yeah, but I but, like, yeah, I won't I won't disagree. Like that was there are times <laughs> in movies where I get excited about what's going to come next, right? Yeah, sure. And yeah, so yeah, the yeah. introduction of Harley Quinn and Joker, I'm excited. 
and then to oh, fail yeah. so epically is akin to the first Bane. Do you remember the first Bane? Oh, yeah, of course I remember it. Who didn't speak the entire time? Yeah, he time. just grunted, and you punched a thing in the center of his chest, and he went angry like a fucking Tonka toy. <laughs> like, that epic failure, and then... For all it was, the black suit Spider-Man that became emo that then led into Venom was getting us so close to Carnage. Like, that's all I was after. Like, yeah. Carnage was like a huge storyline when I was in middle school, and I loved it. Like, I loved, you know, I loved Spider-Man. I loved the Carnage series. I thought it was fantastic, you know, because that's, you think, like, that's the same time frame that, that Silence of the Lambs comes out. And so you're oh, seeing yeah. oh, my gosh, a yeah. symbiotic suit going to someone like Hannibal Lecter. Like, that's the way I'm imagining it as a kid. And so, you know, in the comic oh, series, John. it's fantastic, right? And we get close to it, and then it all falls apart because emo Spider-Man and whatever else they choose to do. And they reboot the series, and they run with Andrew Garfield, who I think is a fine Spider-Man. But we don't yeah. get to a, a legit Venom carnage with him. Sort of. And then Woody Harrelson. Like, that was an amazing casting for such a terrible movie. I see. I don't even think it's a bad movie. I think it's just an okay movie. Like, but I, I think it's because I can, it has all the preconceived notions of middle school me. Who's like, and that's totally fine. In a symbiotic suit, you know? Yeah. And I, I completely understand that. But I think that I just was, I, my expectations were set so low for both of those Venom movies. Right. That by the time that I actually consumed them, I was like, well, I mean, it couldn't have gone any lower than what I was thought it was going to be. <laughs> so, like, you can only go up from there. And I was just kind of like, all right, all right. that's That was a movie, I guess, by all technical specs. <laughs> if, I guess, and, and if you're, you know, for, for, for comic book kids, right? Like, if you followed Venom from his own line, maybe what is the, the, the no. Defender or whatever it was, that was his line. Um, maybe it's maybe it's more acceptable to have those Venom movies and that Carnage version. But if you follow the Venom that is explicitly within the comic, the, the Spider-Man series, like the Venom translation is terrible. The Carnage translation yeah. is terrible. No, I completely uh, agree. It, I completely it, agree. And apparently now Morbius is in the same universe as Venom. Yeah. And, and they're saying that there's what, a Spider-Man. What universe is Venom in? Is he in, in the Tobey Maguire? Is he in I Andrew Garfield? I, think, is he I in... think that he is in Andrew Garfield's universe. I think, think that so? tonally they are the same. So but, see, he's, I, in, I, he's in the final, the final scenes of um, the, the last Spider-Man movie. The um, No Way oh, Home. Oh, you're right. You're far right. From home, no Way Home. But they also brought in the rest of the universes, so he could still be in the other one. Like I've been thinking about that way too much for a while because you know they brought in Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, so they could still be talking about their universe. What if it's what if it's the um, the Japanese Spider Man from the <laughs> from the? 80s. I mean, we haven't really, really brought in the Spider Verse completely yet. You know, not so in live action, at least. Right, not yeah. not in live action. You know. Tom Hardy built a few houses off Venom. Yeah, he did. Like, I, I will never, <laughs> I don't know that I can ever fault, aside from George Clooney, I can't fault any actor for taking a uh, comic book role, even I if mean, it is just to make money. You know, like, I'll give. George, George Clooney at least apologizes for. He doesn't, no, no, he takes Batman it a bit farther than apologizing. I'll give him tons of credit because I was watching an interview. Yeah. 
And he was like, you know, I got the Batman role and I told all my friends about it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to play Batman. And he's like, I went to the screening and I didn't tell anyone when the movie was going to release. I hid. It was ter- like, he'll acknowledge how terrible that, that movie was. But, you know, what was he given? He wasn't given a ton to work with. I, you know, I, maybe he would have been a decent Bruce Wayne. I don't think he would have ever been a good Batman. I think the bigger letdown for me is Val Kilmer because I feel like he had the ability to be a decent Batman, but I really liked Val Kilmer in Batman Forever. I yep. really, really loved him in that role. Um, I, I, as Batman or as Bruce Wayne? Uh, honestly, both. Mm-hmm. I thought he was really good as as both characters because he took that like he, he took that like really divisive nature about Bruce Wayne where he's super just kind of I mean he the biggest thing about Bruce Wayne is he is constantly battling with his inner demons right, right? and that does bleed into the the persona of Batman so I when when that time comes I mean if we are not and and it's not to say that there haven't been other actors that haven't portrayed this very well on screen because I mean there there have mm-hmm. but I think that he was kind of like I don't even really think that um um oh my gosh <laughs> my brain has just completely left me because all now i can think of is val kilmer george clooney and um michael keaton okay there we go yeah. i got it i got it back eventually but i don't even really think that michael keaton brought that to the screen i think he did a good batman i think he did too but i think that his bruce wayne was trapped like there's but, not but michael... a great bruce wayne to me right but I, I think that Val Kilmer did such a good job of making those characters play off of each other. And, and I mean, maybe that's um, partially more of a directorial decision um, mm-hmm. from Joel Schumacher. Maybe that was the one good thing he decided on during those two train wreck movies. Um, but I, I think uh, overall, I think Val Kilmer is just an incredible, he gives such an incredible performance um mm-hmm. and he he is truly capital a acting during right. all of that and i think that you know you have to you have to understand the the pressure that he was more than likely under oh you yeah. know after two wildly success well okay batman returns was not exactly uh successful mm-hmm. <laughs> at the at the time but you know still a beloved portrayal of batman. who who batman and bruce wayne were um you know, it, 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 it's understandable that he's, you know, he might have felt some um, some weight on his shoulders at that. And point. Maybe that's what maybe that's what we're giving Pattinson s- such a pass is that we've seen a step from a good Batman to a potentially bad Batman. And we sort of expected that to happen again, because for all the things that Christian Bale wasn't, I felt like that series was good. Right. Yeah. And, oh, and, yeah. and they're beautiful and, movies. They've got a great story. We expect um, it to fall apart afterwards because that's what's happened yeah, before. Exa- you know? Exactly, exactly. And I mean, some of the execution of particular storylines was not exceptional, but I, I mean, that's just you know the the nature of it. I mean, it, it is. I I wonder what our view of a movie like Dark Knight Rises would be if the predecessor weren't arguably the best Batman movie of all time, right? Like, I mean, ultimately, it's designed to fail at the end of the day because Mm -hmm. the dark Knight is just it was so groundbreaking Mm -hmm. and i mean you look at all of the movies that 
have since copied it in in terms of like the way that they structure plot. I mean, the James Bond movie that came out like four years afterwards, Skyfall, mm-hmm. was almost the exact same plot structure as The Dark Knight. Right. I mean, that is a very quick turnaround to see the impact that a story like this movie has recreated into yet another movie. So it pros and cons, but Mm I, I do, I do think that, you know, dark Knight rises has its merits, but at the same time, it's, it's got some rough points. How do you, uh, how do you get up out of that? uh, How do you get up out of that pit there, John? How do you get out? How does back get fixed so quick? Because he had a poor man's chiropractor at the bottom of the well. Which basically just snapped his his bones back into place. I mean, that's not healing. That's not healing. That's refracturing. Look, I've been to a chiropractor before and they've told me they they can cure diabetes with chiropractic. So (laughs) I'm quite sure that it is. (laughs) That's back it up, everybody. We're going home. (laughs) No, 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 no insult to chiropractors across the world. But, you know, that you're not. (laughs) Yes. How, how did he cure himself? Like we completely it, missed the whole Asriel series where like someone becomes Batman exactly. while he's gone. Exactly. And cause that was another storyline that I loved as a kid was, you know, like Bane is exciting because he defeats Batman where Joker never could. Yeah. I think I have that. What, what was the landmark issue that came out during the nightfall run? Was it 500 of Batman? I could probably pull it out from under my desk. I think I, <laughs> All right. Not, let's not go. Let's not go too far here, John. Let's. Uh... That, that, yep, that, you're, you're not wrong. That sounds terrible. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I have even yeah. like that issue somewhere. But yeah, five hundred is it? Man, the things I have stored in my brain. Anyway. Yeah. We keep you know? we keep veering off. I know that you have more questions that you wanted to. <laughs> oh no, no 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 no! Like there was a whole bit on comics here. You know, like this is, this, this is the place I knew I wanted to go for sure. This light over here died. We'll see if this one makes it. If it does not, yeah. I've got backup, so we're good to go. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're in the vein of comics. What is a comic book that was made into a movie that absolutely never should have? Hmm. Man, that's tough. Because there are so many lessons that I think we learned from those failures mm-hmm. that allowed better movies to come out of them. Um. Oh, okay. Here's a here's a good deep cut for you. Um, the I think it was early '90s Captain America movie, the made-for-TV Captain America movie with um, J.D. Salinger's son. Mm-hmm. Um absolute nightmare just a just an unnecessary really low budget poor excuse for a movie just I'm, no good I'm, I'm gonna tell you a secret i don't really like captain america to begin with <laughs> like i think he captain is, america he is an is, ultimately flawed very flawed human he's, being. he's marvel's answer to superman and even then he's no he's not, not good he's, he's no not superman John. like the he's best no superman the, and I don't even like Superman either, you know, but like Captain America, <laughs> like the best story arc was when Captain America died. Like that's the that best. That is a Captain great, that is ever. a great story. I the do love it. Are terrible. 
I don't. There's no. only so much I can. I, I understand where you're coming from there. I don't. I don't um, like. I don't like Captain America. But that that particular Captain America movie is really garbage. I'm pretty sure you can find the entire thing on on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, late '90s, there was a TV movie pilot for uh, the Justice League, which featured no core members of the Justice League other than. Uh, I think maybe Martian Manhunter and a version of the flash. Oh no, there was a version of green lantern that was in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, really tough to watch. Um, okay. Maybe I should step back and talk about like movies that were actually in theaters. Um, see, I don't even hate like Batman V Superman. I think it's a train wreck. I think that it has some absolutely massive flaws to it, mm-hmm. but I really enjoy that movie. <laughs> like I have, I have such a soft spot in my in my heart for for that movie, and um, I don't, I, I don't, I don't hate that movie, even though it's no, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm with you, and you're like maybe I like, like the- Electra or Catwoman, like those were two really bad movies that were made. Like I. Had I hope. And, for the, the I, like, so I have daughters, right? And so I have hopes yeah. for every female led comic effort ever, you know, because I want my daughters to feel inclusive and included and all of those things. And yeah. so I agree with you wholeheartedly on Electra. <laughs> Catwoman, you know, I don't know that they could have done much more with Catwoman. Like Electra, they could have done more with 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 that. Sure. But Catwoman as an entire franchise on its own, I don't think makes sense. Just like I don't think that the the comic series made sense as its own franchise. But my, I think that this is going to be unpopular. The comic that should have never been made into a movie, but was to me, is Blade. And I enjoy the movie. Huh. Let me let me back this up because at the time when it was made, who was making comic book movies? Like what comic book movies were being made? I uh, they was uh, Fox at that point. There there wasn't right? a ton of really there wasn't a ton of really good name brand comics that were being made, right? And well, to I mean, like a, like like X Men was being made right. So you, you've got X Men, you've yeah. got. Spider-Man. Spawn. Oh, oh. No, no, no. That's that's a fantastic movie. And for the budget they made it for, I'm on it. But like to take a risk (laughs) on such a and you're in the same vein. So bubble bath bourbon, you're right. In the same vein, like I'm glad it was made because I enjoy the movie. But if I'm a movie executive, like we shouldn't be making that. That's a gamble. That's yeah. a huge gamble. Now you know Blade. Oh, one so you're a, you're talking less like bad movies. That's where I'm looking. You're talking up. like movies that should either way. Have... It can go either way, but that's what I'm saying. Like, so you're you're going oh. bad movies, and I can say bad movies like Green Lantern, right? But that's where my take is unpopular. Is like if I'm a movie executive or person who's going to fund it, like why am I funding Blade ever? Oh man. Well, I mean, to be quite honest. I, Iron Man is probably a movie that should have never been made based on the gamble that that they took at the time, because, I mean, truly Iron Man up until that point was like a B or C list Marvel hero. He was. But I think and this is where if, if I am a, a, a an investor, 
I can see the direct correlation between the popularity of Batman and the popularity of Iron Man because they're effectively sure. the same oh, yeah, being, the same character, the same yeah. demons. You know, Iron Man's problems were from a dead father who sort of treated him like crap, and Batman is from a dead family, and they both are just really rich guys. Like, neither one of them are superheroes. Like, they're just yeah. rich dudes with toys is what they really are. Like, they're just people who are really smart and able to do things. And if you can see people connect with Batman, they can connect with Iron Man if you put enough money into it and you get the right person. If you cast anyone but Robert Downey Jr., I don't think it works. <laughs> like, that's possibly even, the even, best casting ever. Even back in the day when they were talking about Tom Cruise being Tony Stark. I don't, it doesn't work. Could, it couldn't have worked. It couldn't have had the the long-lasting He's not going to deliver the appropriate snark for no. an incredibly rich... Like, if you could get Tony Stark... Or if you could get Tony, if you could get Robert Downey Jr. to play Bruce Wayne, he'd be the best fucking Bruce Oof. Wayne ever. Ooh, really? Yes, he has the billionaire playboy rich guy vibe that he can hit just right. I think he's it, but I don't think he makes I, it. I think Batman. I think that if if Robert Downey Jr. in this weird universe, um. Even if 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 he had done Iron Man and he retired from Iron Man and Warner Brothers went, we are going to throw our entire vault of money at you for you to be Batman. I still think that the entire time I'd be watching that movie and going, oh, that's Robert Downey Jr. Like, I, you know, like it would take me out of the there was a moment in the Batman and um, <laughs> Charlie that's a terrible idea. That is really funny. Um, <laughs> Although it fits the mold, you know, like it someone does. who might have been viewed as a degenerate who's been arrested, who's had drug problems, and now is going to hit their stride. I'm, I'm going to be Charlie Sheen is the next Robert Downey Jr. I'm going to be laughing about that as I'm falling asleep tonight. Of Charlie Sheen as as Iron Man, that is yep. really really funny. Um, but there there was a moment in the Batman where I stopped watching Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne. And I started going, that's Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. Like there, there was a very distinct moment for me. And from then on, like, not that I didn't like it before, but from then on, I was so all in, I was just like, let's go. Like th mm -hmm. this is, this is what we needed to see from this character right now. So. Yeah. And you know, I, and I'm going to go back and say, like, I think he makes a good, good Bruce Wayne. I don't think he makes sure, a good yeah, Batman yeah, at yeah. all. Yeah. Do, do you think that the. Because I still kind of feel like it was a bit of a gamble, but that this is just me, I guess, having grown up in the wrong generation with a lot of his work. But Joss Whedon being brought on for the first Avengers movie, like, I feel like that was a huge gamble that Marvel took. I mean, it's the first Avengers movie. Like, does anyone know it's going to succeed to the level that it does? Because where where do we good have a, a marked history of success of ensemble casts of all big, you know, like, where you're bringing in multiple superheroes to put together to make one coherent story? Like, where, where does that where does that happen prior to Avengers? I mean, literally nowhere. 
Right. So it, the entire franchise yeah. becomes the gamble in and of itself. And I'll say like, it's very true. Yeah. This is, this is the thing that like MCU has got movies down pat. DC does not. Oh yeah, of course. DC has got great TV shows. You know, like they, they, they've done very well in the TV environment where Marvel yeah. has not. Well, their, their animated movies are far superior to anything that, Marvel right. has done it, which which actually brings up a, a really good example of maybe a movie that shouldn't have been done in the way that it was, but could still have been validated for being made if they tweaked a few things. But the animated version of The Killing Joke okay. that yep. came out a couple of years ago, which was um, so bizarre, uh, like it. I don't know what their thought process was behind adding some of the backstory that they did, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, ugh. it's weird, man. It's weird. And it makes me like, it makes my skin crawl a little bit. Um, but I don't know. So I feel so like, in, I feel like soon I'm going to be saying that Morbius is the movie that shouldn't have been made based on the gamble, or at least based on, you know, the quality of the, the movie that came out. No, because you'll always have green lantern. You'll always have Green Lantern. I still, I still have a soft spot for for Green Lantern as I a character or that movie. Both. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Yeah. There, there is okay. it, like the build up to that movie for me was so massive, and it's look. I, I even, I will tell on myself. I still find a little bit of joy in watching a movie like Dragon Ball Evolution, which is. Mm-hmm horrendous in a terrible representation of Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball in general. But like, I don't know. I still kind of just love the fact that like at some point the, the energy behind it and like the stars aligned and like everybody pushed it to where it could actually be on, on the big screen and sure it, failed miserably and was just i mean in a catastrophic failure mm-hmm. but i still like i look at it and i go wow like wow this right. is so cool it's a green lantern and there's kilowog and there's tomar ray and like it's just sinestro actually yeah, this movie came out in uh 2009 by the way or whatever the heck mm-hmm. but the fact that like at the end sinestro gets the the yellow lantern ring and it's just like i don't know it, i, it I wanted it storylines that you know exist so exactly it, yeah and and i wanted that movie to be so okay. much more than it was i wanted that movie to have a sequel like within two years after it came out yeah but I think, it, I think this is the same place where i start to overlook some of the flaws of Toby Toby Maguire's Spider-Man series because of my sure, sure, yeah, connection of with it as a child, you know, like yeah. and the storyline that it's trying to tell. So I, I can get on that. But like, how do you feel if you're Ryan Reynolds being given what three different comic book characters? Is it three, right? So we've got Deadpool, we've mm-hmm. got Green Lantern, and mm-hmm. we've got Was he not the um Project X? Oh, he was in he was in Blade. Oh, oh, yeah, he wasn't Blade, but was he not also? Um, I'm pretty sure he was. Pro- was he not? He, he... In, in X Men Origins Wolverine, that was still Deadpool. Okay, I mean that was the, he was still technically playing Deadpool in that movie. <clears throat> when he was when he was playing Project X, he was playing Deadpool. 
Yeah, they even named him as like Wade Wilson. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're not right. You're, you're not. You're not wrong. There I'm not right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That's what I was trying to get at. You're not wrong. I, I forgot they had named him that. But anyways. Ooh, whiskey that's roast is free enough. guy a, a hero. I don't. It, I think no. like comic book roles though. He. he yeah. Can't be, we can't throw him in there. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And I like. I, think, I enjoyed that movie far more than I feel like I should have. I still haven't watched it. I I, I need to watch Free Guy and I need to watch the Adam Project. Um, the, the Free Guy is just explicitly for the the nods to gaming. That's that's all it is. Like there's a sure. just a ton of really fun nods to gaming for yeah. me. Um, can I, can I, I ask you something too? We, yeah, go we have gone um, an hour and a half. We have not yet asked each other what we've been drinking. Like. Okay. Yeah. So, because yeah, I, I am I'll, curious, I am curious. I, I'm what drinking, you've been drinking. Uh, Matt's, uh, Matt Porter's um, single oh, barrel pick, heck the, yeah, dude. the Secret of the Booze. Yeah. Um, that he just did. This is my lead up to Whiskey Weekend Batch Four. Um, did yesterday was uh, Bourbon Junkie stuff. Day before that was uh, it's Bourbon Night, folks. Tomorrow will be podcast stuff. I've got. Just awesome. by chance, I want a giveaway with a, a Knob Creek that they did. Um, and so oh, I'll have it, that tomorrow. Was it um, Ain't Half Bad? Yep. Dude. Yep. I haven't popped that, it yet. I just oh. got it. So I won it a uh, month and a half, two months ago. It was right before um, Grease got COVID. And so I was like, man, just hold on to it. Like, you can you can give it to me in Louisville. That's fine. I'll see you guys in Louisville. And he's like, no, 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 yeah. I'm gonna ship it to you. But it's it, after. So he finally, he tried to ship it. And the, the, um, lady at UPS store was like, what's in this? And he was like, stuff. And she's like, is, is there alcohol in here? And he's like, no. So he had to bring it back and wait another week. And it finally just showed up. So I have not opened it yet because that I've got like so 14 different knob Creek picks. Like everyone I, does, but I, I love that it. pick so much. Um, I, I killed that bottle forever ago, but mm-hmm. it, it, I have not yet done a Knob Creek pick with the podcast name on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the very first pick that I, I went on, I know that I've talked this to death, but if you've never heard this story, this is for you. Um, the very first pick that I went on was with liquor barn for a Knob Creek pick. Mm-hmm. And we wound up picking two bourbons and two rise. And the first bourbon was 13 years old and came out of the barrel at 121 proof. So they only added a gallon of water to proof it down mm-hmm. to 120. Um, best Knob nice. Creek pick I've ever had. Easily the best Knob Creek pick I've ever had. Um, but I like I want to the the mash made in heaven from it's bourbon night and ain't half bad from the podcast are two of my all time favorite knob Creek picks. I will, I will never ever. And, and I mean, of course I'm close with the people who picked them, but <laughs> still like I, I just, I yearn just to be able to like pick something as good as those. Right. You, you've set your marker for it. And that's, you know, I truly have. I, I would prefer to drink things from people that I trust in what they've picked. Right. Like mm. that's you're know, like, I've got a couple of things that I'm picking up over this weekend from, from, from you guys specifically. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I'll lean on 
anyone that I trust to pick something well, because, you know, I've got a liquor store that I feel comfortable with what they pick. But if I walk into any other liquor store, I have no idea if I think these guys are worth a shit or not. Are they having the distiller actually pick it? Or, you know, it's what's actually happening here as far as the pick is going. But, you know, it's like, you know, Matt doesn't make anything off of this. And most people don't make anything off of single. No, I don't. I don't like it. At first, when when we started talking about doing single barrels, like my mind went to like, Oh, can we make any money off of this? And Mm -hmm. a, it, it doesn't make sense logistically to try to upcharge some of it. And B, I don't, I don't care. Like the fact that we can even just have a product that people are somewhat interested in, in picking up is so cool to me. It's so cool. Um, and I, I can't wait. So we haven't even talked about this. Yep. But you are coming on our uh, our new riff pick for the meetup, um, yep. which I'm so excited for, man. I cannot. I am going to be absolutely that. no help for you whatsoever. I just want you I to know. Don't, that. I don't care. I it do not be, care at all. I just I, I, am excited that you're going to be there for it. I am. I am super excited as well. Um, my family is too, right? So this is this that that lands for. <laughs> this is a weird thing, right? That lands for spring break for my wife, who's a teacher, and my kids who are in school. And Perfect we always time. do some small trip, and so we're going to end up going up to Newport and hitting the zoo and the aquarium and doing some stuff. And so they're excited about a hotel with an indoor pool and that, oh, and nice. like doing a single barrel pick has been the thing that I'm after. Like, I don't want to say after, like I'm trying to chase it down, but like I am legitimately excited about it. And so I'm not going to be any help because uh, I'll be all over the place, but I'm going to have a hell of a time. <laughs> so you you say you're not going to be of any help just because you're going to be so like, you're going to be having like out of body experiences the entire time. I, you know, or... I, I'm, I, I don't know that I'm going to be the, um, objective voice that you need to hear. I'm going to be like, this is great. Oh, this is great. You know, and that's the other part. It's like, I haven't had too many whiskeys in my life where I've been like, this is terrible. I can say, I like this. I like that. Sure. You know, I, I can, I can measure things to a degree, but, um, yeah, no, no, no. You, you're on your own. Like you, you and Eric are really going to do the heavy lifting here. <laughs> I hope you've got a third person to break the the tie here. So you don't you don't even know who who else is going to be on the pick then? No, no. He just said, "Hey, you were picked," and that was it. Do you want me to wait then to let you know, or do you want me to go ahead and tell you? If, if it's supposed to be a surprise, let it be a surprise. If not, I go mean, ahead. It, it, like it's been it's been put out into the world, so I'm happy to I'm happy to let you know. Oh, I didn't I didn't catch it. Did you put it? I don't, yeah, let's hear. So um, Swan's going to be with us. Oh, nice. Uh, Chad from My Daily Bourbon is going to be with us. Um, yep, so I'm falling farther down the ladder of, of value in this, and I'm fine with that. Like, good. I, I, there's less and less pressure. Every every name you say, I'm like, <laughs> somebody. Like, I will defer to the adults in the room. I'm just here to have a good time. So you're you're a part of that as well. I'm trying to make sure I have my my list right. Me, Eric. Oh, and then um, our buddy Ian, who is a new riff super fan. Nice. Like new riff is all that he lives and breathes other than I mean, work and his wife and his daughter. Right. But, yeah. Like the, but like, <laughs> it's, it's like his, it is his bread and butter and he has never been on a new riff pick before. And when the opportunity came up for us to be able to do it for the, the meetup for the weekend, we said, 
well, there's we cannot right. not invite Ian to to be a part so of it. He's the only other person that might be more excited about this than me, and so because he he's the he's the new riff guy, <laughs> so he's like new riff, you know. Yeah. Oh, you you guys might uh, you might wind up bonding a lot just because right. Of the we, fact we be like, hey, you guys make a decision. We're just here to drink with you and enjoy ourselves. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see how that that turns out for you. Um, but so I I have been drinking a little bit tonight on old granddad 114 which i have not had a bottle of in a while and then fred minnick named it his uh number one 40 or under 40 dollar bourbon mm-hmm. um and i fred and i are we we get along very well um mm-hmm. and i understand that people have issues with him and the way that he's um sometimes perceived in in public and i i get it i totally get it but um, Fred has never been. Man. It, 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 that, it, there's no other way to describe it besides jealousy. Well, I, and and I mean, I mean, I can understand why people can see what Fred does and um, see it as as douchey or or whatever. I mean, it, it's you know, it is very much just a, a matter of perspective. People aren't wired the same way I am, so they're not going to view people the same way that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also haven't had the experience that I have had. Nice callback with... to way earlier in the yeah. The so if, yeah, <laughs> super fantastic callback. I wanted, to, I wanted to point that out. But but also Fred, um, Fred is also um one of the nicest people and genuinely cares about mm-hmm. those who are close to him. Right. Um, and I I I won't go into specifics because I. I mean, it's far, it's been far enough removed to where I don't think that I need to be careful about it. But at the same time, um, I hate stirring up old crap. <laughs> um, but there, there was an incident, um, a few years back. I mean, I, I had just been doing the podcast for like a year. Um, and it kind of got out to the community at large and, Fred emailed me personally and was making sure that I was okay. And I mean, very, very, um, very concerned for my safety. And so I said, I sent him an email back immediately and I said, you need to call me right now because I don't understand what, what's going on. Right. Um, and I mean, within a minute, he, he called me back or he called me, excuse me. And, he he was like, you need to find someplace safe. Like you need you need to go and and keep yourself safe. And I was uh-huh. like, whoa! <laughs> like <laughs> Some first of all, happened and I don't understand, but I appreciate the message. Yeah, and 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 I'll I'll maybe I'll talk about it with you off air, but yeah. um, ah, screw it. What the heck? It's been it's been long enough that I don't think that. Um, I think we're far enough removed from it. I mean, um, hey, look, like I said earlier, if you don't want to share it, you nah, can it's no, it's we'll fine. I I've um I've I've dealt with it enough, and um I'm 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 not gonna be I'm not gonna be as specific about details as mm-hmm. um, I have been in the past, but I do think that it's um I think I think that it's important in some ways to kind of clear the air, one way or another. Um, in October, was it October or no? It was October of 2018. 
Um, I went to Bourbon 30 in Georgetown mm-hmm. with the intention of recording an interview with Jeff Mattingly for the podcast. And <clears throat> he was he was busy enough to where we needed to reschedule. And I said, OK, that's fine. And there were events that transpired to where he thought that I was there <clears throat> to expose him for the things that came out a few days afterwards, which was like the, um, the trash can thing and, um, you know, tampering with the, the product that was going into the bottle and everything. Uh And, and, and and I honestly was not there for that. Like that was just not what, um, my intention was. And I really, really still feel bad about the way that, that things went down. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, (laughs) The, the, the thing that really kind of like set everything in motion was the day after I was there, um, his products started getting banned on the secondary market. Mm-hmm. So the, in, in like smaller circles, I was being thrown around as like the guy that cat- was the catalyst for all of it. And I, w- I wasn't like I I, prom- I I will swear on this to my grave that I was not the person that that did that. I was not there with any ill intent. Um, people, <laughs> meanwhile, good times, yeah. Um, but the, it it just um, it just spiraled really quickly, um, and I it it got to the it got to the point where um, I. I mean, like I said, Fred called me because he was worried for my safety mm-hmm. and um, I'm, I'm not trying to like allege anything right towards. Um, he was just looking out. I mean, you're, you're, the, the story you're telling. Yeah, is like, exactly. You're, Fred's exactly. a real guy who was looking out for a, a friend, a, exactly. whatever it happens to yeah. be. It adds some, some color to who he is. And, you know, a hundred percent, you know, Whiskey roast even said, you know, the neckerchief doesn't help. And like, if, if I'm getting hung up and, on and, and like, but that's like, that's, that's what I'm saying too, where like, I can understand where the perception of him can be skewed, but I'm, I have like, I promise you, Fred Minnick is one of the sweetest, most genuine people in the entire world. Right. But what, and, I'm, what I'm getting is that like, if, if you're getting hung up on the fact that he's wearing a neckerchief or an ascot or whatever, like, are we getting hung up on Mark Carter for wearing an old fat guy golfing hat? Like, why are we? I don't give a shit about it. The thing that I get hung up on is marzipan because most people don't eat eat marzipan. Like that's not a nobody knows what it was, and I under, right. I understand that. Yeah, right. Like, that's, that's, in, but, but that that I, I can get over that, right? Like none none of that really ma- matters. And I I remember I was not doing a podcast, but I was following because I was still in the vein of I want to do that when the trash can thing hit. Right, like everybody's like, oh no, trash cans. Like here's where my brain immediately went is. There's a, a local Mexican restaurant in this town that, you know, they, they serve chips and salsa like every other Mexican restaurant and all of their chips are kept in a trash can in the back, but that's just the storage container they use. They clean it like yeah. they clean everything else. Like this is not a super uncommon thing to have a food grade piece of plastic that contains things. Now I won't get into whether bourbon 30 was doing anything wrong or whatever. Like that's, that's not the point of it, but well, and it, and it's also not me for it. It's, it's not, 
my place to it's not for me i think is what i was initially trying to say Mm -hmm. there but it's not my place to say one thing or another about you know whether there was tampering going on with their products because i i didn't know i had no clue if there was anything that was and that wasn't um, your intent that was the concern no i was i because and also because like i didn't know that that was anything that was happening or or being alleged (laughs) about them they overestimated your investigative reporting yeah, like it, I, I just wanted to, and and I've always, you know, mm-hmm. it, it when I when I go to somebody and I do an interview with them or I sit down with them over uh, over a couple of hours with, with with a glass of bourbon, it's it's to get to know who they are, and I I think that when because I I did have to kind of defend myself to to Jeff and to his team at one point as well, and I think I kind of misconstrued it initially as like reporters integrity um but it's it it wasn't that it was just me being like honest you know like right. i i wasn't i wasn't trying to um show up and you know um just gotcha journalism anybody it, it, was, it was it was such an unfortunate like timing of it all because like i, I who I don't know enough people in the in the community or on the secondary market to say like, hey, this one person should be watched after, or you should do things that you know prevent them from making a living or or whatever. And I mean that's even getting into further um, rumors or allegations about what he was doing. But and, and again, that's not for me to comment on. Yeah, like but, how, how many episodes have you ever done? That has got you journal. Like you, you have a catalog to prove. Literally, literally none. Right. Um, I, so the episode that's coming out tomorrow, um, I, I tried to get a scoop out of, uh, Ray wise, who, um, is an actor and he plays, um, Leland Palmer on twin peaks. And, um, he was in psych and, um, I, I tried to just, just because I was like, I thought it would be a bit of fun to like, try to get a scoop out of him and say, Hey, do you think there after the return of Twin Peaks? Do you think there's going to be a season four? And he was like, "Nah, it's, you know, I mean, he was very upfront about it and and mm-hmm. everything." And I I think that you know, I have I have worked very hard over the past few years to establish my reputation. Um, and I that sound oh that sounds so douchey. It doesn't. Um, no, 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 it doesn't. Because like, your reputation don't look at it that way because I, I understand how you're hearing it and you're like, Oh, you know, like self-promotion or, or self uh, like creating some, some degree of grandeur about who you are, but your reputation is the only thing that you're going to be able to bring forward whenever you go to talk to anybody. Yeah. So yeah. It, you've, you've, you've curated it to be close to who you are. Yeah. Um, Oh, okay. So, um, Nate, um, bubble bath. He, uh, he said he was Satan on Reaper. He actually recommended that show to me while I was interviewing mm-hmm. him. Um, I've not seen it before, but I would I really need to watch Reaper. Um, I have but a anyway. thought for Twin Peaks because that was like when the original Dude. show came out, my parents watched it and Dude, we watched he, that together. And it was the weirdest thing of it. And, and, and so it just continues on. So I'll, I'll let me let me circle back to Twin Peaks for a second. I just yeah. want to finish up this conversation because yeah. I'm. I, I like go through periods where I'm okay with talking about it. And then I just kind of want to forget that it ever happened. But um, I, I have worked for so long to establish, establish 
the fact that I am kind of like the the Switzerland, I guess, of Whiskey Tube and Whiskey Podcasts that I am like I'm friends with everybody and I understand that there is animosity between folks and things don't always go the way that they are planned. But the the thing is like I and I have done this since I was in high school. I just get along with everybody. Like I'm just I'm friends with with everyone and I I make an effort to be as um, as honest and as upfront as I can. And the thing that I say is I am a very what you see is what you get kind of person. So, you know, you can listen to the podcast and you can come to our meetup in May and meet me. And I'm literally going to be the same guy like there. There is no in between for me. So when when all of this happened and and thankfully um my name was never attached to any of like what what was happening at the time and i never like caught any blowback or caught any um re- specific responses from people who were um you know thinking that i had done something wrong i had i had more people defending me uh than than anything <clears throat> um it was just a jumping off point for me to be like, what, what can I do more actively to make sure that who I am presenting myself as is the genuine article for when people meet me in person. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's it. Like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have podcast Perry and real life Perry, like podcast Perry is dad Perry. Right. Like podcast podcast Perry is son Perry is husband Perry is musician Perry. Like I, I am so in tune with like just being genuine and, and being as human as I possibly can. And like, I'm not saying that I'm perfect by any means. I mean, that's, that's furthest from the point. It's just the fact that, you know, I'm uh, look, I'm here (laughs) and I I've done I, I've done everything I can over the past four and a half years to make sure that um, I I am always very present and I'm always very much myself. Tr- trying to maintain a persona that is not you and and, and bubble so bath has it right is you know try having two different people sounds like a lot of work right try, trying to be whoever it is and there was a, a stint of my life where I did some radio work uh, I was a, a, an on air DJ for a while and a lot of those people have like their radio personality. And well, then who and, they are in real life, and I get well, and, that. And, but... and, and I, I will, let me let me talk of the, uh, on like the opposite side of that for a second too, because um, I don't think that we can talk about you know having a persona in uh, bourbon or whiskey podcasting without talking about somebody like the Grease. Yep. Right. Um, yep. yep. That that is, I th- I think that's the inverse of what it means to have a a character or a stage voice or, or whatever, because, um, and again, I am very fortunate to have really good relationships with a lot of people in this industry. Um, but the, the man behind the grease is one of the sweetest human beings. Just, just straight up, like would lay down his, his life for you. And, I- and, and, and I, I get where like, that character is coming from and i uh, excuse me my goodness understand like the entertainment value 
behind the grease. I just don't, I don't have that in me. Like I, I just want to, it's exhausting. I can, I can do characters. I can be funny. I can do bits and and whatnot. But at the end of the day, like all I want to do is just, I just want to be myself. And I want to make sure that people understand that, you know, when, when you show up, I am also showing up as, (laughs) as who I am. But anyway, you, you touched on something and, and, and I'm, I'm glad you did that because this is all going to loop back around to the same conversation I was having with John from Dad's Drinking Bourbon is that I think in my very short and very limited and very not so successful stint as a podcaster, people connect with one of two types of things. And, and one of them is is genuine nature. Like you mm-hmm. are genuine and you create content that you personally connect with and people can sense that. And, and, and whenever they're listening, like if you're disconnected you. from whatever you're putting out, people sense that. And you know, our human beings, bullshit detector is pretty good. Yeah. And they're like, okay, you're just doing this to try to, to gain some degree of popularity. And there's a host of, I think podcasts that are, you know, in what would be considered the top 10 of charting uh, that are putting out pappy crap that nobody cares about. Largely. And I, I, you know, maybe they're paying for downloads. Maybe they're paying for followers. I don't really care. That's none of my business. You know, I, I'm, I'm not invested in that, but yeah. you connect with what you're doing. This is something that you're interested in talking about. And, and that's sort of the, the same place that I am. And then there are people like Matt, the Grease, that are doing a bit and, and it is yeah. such an exaggerated that's character. That's, yeah, exactly. That no one is going to confuse that. That's who he really is. Right. Like, I don't think there there are too many people that watch the podcast or listen to the podcast that are like, that's who he is in real life. He has that radio personality down, I feel like, you know, and, and convert it to, oh, yeah. to to video after the fact where you can sense it in his character. There's still a degree of genuine nature that's in it, but it is an exaggerated version of who he is. And and people can can sense that, I think. <clears throat> And and Matt Giesler mm-hmm. shows up when Grease is tired, mm-hmm. and he can't maintain <clears throat> that that persona any longer. And it it's so it's so fascinating to me, and it's so cool to see mm-hmm. as as he gets <laughs> as the character of the Grease gets more worn out. Matt's like showtime's over like we're doing we're doing this for real and right. and the, I think that I I have heard the phrase love you man from Grease so much just yeah. so much and I've never felt like it was Fake. ingenuine yeah yeah it's always it's always been genuine yeah. um yeah, I and, think and, that's, that's the thing that he he you're exactly so, so Bubba Bath puts on here. Grease has the talents of a WWE star with the body of a bourbon drinker. Exactly. Like the character. Hey, Grease, the Grease, Grease will take you out though. Grease, the, Grease will. <laughs> he'll set you straight though. I mean, right. the guy, the guy's not, you know, he didn't take COVID weight the way that some of us did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would like to blame it on COVID, but it's just, you know, I gained 50 pounds with my wife's first pregnancy and just never let him go. Um, 
I think we kind of touched on a little bit of that earlier in the in the show. Right. But regardless, you, you, anyway. you have those things. You have those things. But mm-hmm. no, I, like I said, I, they, there are certain people that are obsessed, and that was the conversation that John and I were having. Was that there are certain people that are obsessed with where they're at charting, as far as oh, I'm you know top five, top ten, top whatever, and the things that mean more to me. And I think that that John was 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 having the same sort of discussion is that when you have people giving their personal opinion of the value of what you're doing as opposed to downloads. Cause I could buy followers on Instagram. You know, I sure. was talking about this with Morgan from uh, female whiskey society on Instagram last week. I personally participated in purchasing followers on TikTok, not for myself. This was a spike purchase. It was a thing that I did. One of, one of my wife's uh, friends was like having a discussion with her teenage daughter. And like, oh, I bet I can get more TikTok followers than you can in a period of time. And, and I absolutely love screwing with kids. That sounds terrible. Messing with uh, teenagers. All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it was a good run. Thanks, guys. Uh, you'll never see me again. But messing uh, with teenagers all. who just, are like, my it. parents are so stupid. Like, I enjoy messing with teenagers who think my parents are yeah, so, sure. so stupid. Yeah. So my wife's telling me a story like, oh, you know, this 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 woman's want to do this. So I was like, I can go out and for like $3 buy like a 1,000 TikTok followers. Yeah. Like tomorrow. Yeah. I can go do that. And so I did. I didn't tell anybody. I went out and purchased it. But that's the thing that you can do. Like you can chart just by going out and purchasing downloads. Like you can find someone that is literally just doing that. And so charts don't mean a ton. It means you're playing to an algorithm. You're playing to some other thing. What is the feedback for what you get? And this is the thing that I enjoy that you guys do is that you're looking for every week. You're looking for legitimate feedback and reviews of what, people think about this is my bourbon podcast, right? Like you guys are taking the time to, to evaluate that. And that is a connection to the content as opposed to the, you know, the perception of charting or whatever. Well, as, as important as it is connecting it to the content, I think it's even more important connecting it to the community because, and, and, and I, I am such, we are such a small cog in the wheel that is the the bourbon and whiskey community at large because we i mean i i truly believe that if i were removed from this situation the community would still function i mean it would it absolutely still function and, and the bourbon boom would continue um but by establishing common ground, I think between people who appreciate what it is that we're doing and find value in what it is that we're doing and allowing them to hear other people kind of share their shared, uh, the redundancy of uh, the department of redundancy department. Um, <laughs> but, but, but to find common ground in like their shared viewpoints. I mean, like I, I find that really fun and i find that really interesting and um it's it's cool to get those five star reviews and and people actively like commenting about what it is that we do um but i like i i hope that at the end of it like it's it's more about like bringing people together over our our base level shared interest 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's in, in this case, it's bourbon. It's something that we, you know, caught wind of at one point or another. And we decided that we wanted to go really full head on into um, in, in terms of whether it was collecting or, or content creation or what you have you dive I, into this money pit. Yeah. I, and, and that's the other thing too. I think that we, we get this, um, this misconception of like, we're in it to, to make money. I, I, the only reason that I want to like make any kind of money off of it is because I am taking time away from my family. Right. You know, like I, I th- this is like part of what I consider to be work and it, what I consider to be, um, you know, you know, work periods or work hours, hours throughout the week. And, you know, um, I'm I'm really really fortunate right now to be able to basically be a full time stay at home dad, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's not entirely because of podcast stuff, but um, it's just kind of like that combination of a bunch of different little things here and there. But um, re- regardless, I you know the the way that I like equate it is, um, and, and even that's reductive, but like. How, how much time am I putting into this based on what I'm getting out of it? And, and like, even then that is so that that's not even what I feel about this. I literally, I do this because I love it. And I am so fortunate that people hop onto the, the Patreon or live streams and, and they support me and what I do every week or every month or every year, whatever it is that they've decided to to donate towards us. And it's, it's not because I'm trying to like sell or promote or be an active uh, mouthpiece for any, any particular brand or any particular um, ideology within the, the community. It's, it's solely because I do view this as work and I'm thankful Mm -hmm. that I hopped into this when considering it work was viable. Right. Yep. And I I think that I I have seen I have seen the the better part of that um by the support through through Patreon or, or ads or or whatever. But you know, overall it it's I mean I would I would still be doing this even if I didn't have any income from it. I mean, I right. I had just as much fun within the first twelve months as I have had the last 36 it's just it's just part of it man you know and and um time is valuable and and i'm not trying to like cheat anybody out of money or anything but um well i mean nobody has to pay you anything like no no there literally nobody literally nobody and And this is the way i've this is the way i've viewed it for a long time is that with with podcasts uh, there there are very few places where you can go to get free content of anything anymore, right? You sure, watch television, absolutely. you pay by watching advertising. You buy a streaming service, you do whatever. You know, we don't have cable television in our house because I refuse to pay for television. So we have various streaming platforms. My MO for a long time has been if I listen to a podcast for more than two months consecutively, like I listen to it over and over and over again, I'm immediately going to, if they have Patreon or a way to make money, I'm going to participate in that because I obviously 
want to consume their content. I have value in it. And so if I give them money, it either helps them to continue to produce the content or make the content even better. Like you're doing a job. Like I like these interview episodes because you know how much work I have to do for them. Almost none. I have to take 10 minutes <laughs> to be able to create, you know, five or 10 questions. And then we see where the conversation goes. But if I'm going to like put together an idea and say, okay, I want to link these three particular bottles together by this cogent idea and then talk about it for half an hour. Like there's work that's involved in that. And yeah. I do this as a hobby because my job is something else. And so this is something to kind of distract me from that. But if I was doing this at a higher level, this is not a cheap hobby. This is not a thing that not. that you can do. Like, uh, well, th that's that's the other thing too that I've I've kind of come to terms with over the past year or so is that, um, it, 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 it buying liquor is a luxury. I mean, right? I mean, we absolutely. we don't we don't need it to survive. No. And and I mean, like, I I'm I'm not using Patreon money to go out and buy new bottles. I've got bills to pay. Like, right. <laughs> I, my electricity it, needs to be on more than I need to pick up a new bottle. Where, though, like you're going to want to talk green. about at least one new bottle every week. So that's 52 bottles a year at $40 a bottle. You're looking at a significant up. investment. Yeah. That's if you're doing $40 a bottle, but that's not going to last you 52 weeks. Somebody's going to want you to talk about George T. Stag, And if you can't yeah. get it, get a, a media sample, then you're purchasing a bottle. Like there are costs involved with producing the content. And there's a group of people who are like, Oh, I can't believe that you have Patreon or you're doing advertising or whatever. Like how much do like if you look at your microphone, your computer, non whiskey related expenses, they're significant. Like they're significant. Yeah. And then you throw in whiskey, like, man, this is not a cheap thing to do you need to be reimbursed to some degree and then paid beyond that for your intellectual property. Like I, I work in software. The thing that you create is intellectual property and you deserve to be re compensated for it accordingly. Well, and, 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 and I have the, um, I have the unique insight that I do from, you know, again, being a graphic designer, like mm -hmm. graphic design work is either you, you work at, a firm you work in house for a company or you work freelance right. that that's it and so the the first two you have value based on the time that you put into your your you know weekly your weekly hours but if you are on your own and you are doing um if you are doing, you know, freelance work or, or whatever, I mean, you kind of are setting what you see as your value mm -hmm. in many ways. Um, and, and it's, it's empowering, but it is also extremely soul sucking because you're constantly kind of going like, am, am I worth this? Like, am I worth what I'm, I'm trying to tell people that I should be, paid for you're likely and, and, worth more than what you're charging and that's the thing too is like i i don't have expectations anymore for like what i make doing the podcast mm -hmm. because i truly don't have like i mean i i can crunch numbers and i can crunch you know look at downloads and streams or, or whatever you know it is but like 
I don't, I don't think I need to be making this much money or that much money or need to be, you know, trying to maintain like, and, and I mean, I do still, don't get me wrong. I still maintain my, my Patreon and I do make sure, you know, to the best of my abilities that our, Mm -hmm. our patrons are satisfied. And, you know, when, when you haven't lost a patron for a couple of months, it's a really good feeling because it right. means that at least you're, you've reached homeostasis. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I, I don't, I don't, and, and this is maybe, I don't know, maybe this helps. Maybe this doesn't, but you, you can't evaluate if you lost a Patreon. It's something that you necessarily did wrong. It could be a change in their particular. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, like I'm, if you I'm lose a hundred Patreons, okay, you've probably <laughs> done something exactly. incredibly wrong. Exactly. Um, but one, two, three, 10 you know like yeah everybody's preparing for a, you know a potential war so maybe they're they're you know decreasing where they send money or whatever but i think and, and you made a statement earlier like you know if you disappeared it, it might not matter you're a small cog i number one i would say if if you disappeared your voice would absolutely be missed like what you guys do in your podcast is valuable and if Thank you were you. to look at it across the spectrum of you know, it's March. So let's talk about basketball, right? Like, so you have high majors, you have mid majors and you have low majors. And then you have, you know, division two, I would say you guys are on the cusp of that mid to high major. Like you're, you're the Loyola of podcasting, right? Like you're, you're, you're breaking into being a a high major as far as you've been here for a long time, man. I mean, four, four and a half years in podcasting is almost equivalent to like two decades. It's a it, lot. It is. It is a long time that I have dedicated to what, this. Most podcasts and, only make it to the like eleven episodes or something like that. Yeah, and if you're at four years at you know one a week. That's well. I mean, but like part of that too, and I mean, it, it, it piggybacks off of what I was kind of saying already is that you know I, I'm I'm not doing it. I'm not doing this because I think that I can use it as a a vehicle for money making. It's because I genuinely love this community and I genuinely yeah. love what what i get to share with other people and i don't know i think that i i am you i i'm in the unique position to where i got into this got just this this whole world where i was so young i mean i started the podcast when i was 23 that is so young to be getting into spirits Okay, you were twenty three four years ago. Uh four and a half. I'm I'm twenty eight now. I'm, Is that I'm right? Maybe I was twenty four. People's chair. I'm going to go to the geriatric <laughs> ward over here. Okay, but the the I think I was twenty four. Um, but the the point is just that like I I have that like perseverance in some ways, or I have that you know just it's just like pure energy for like being excited about things and and you know i know that we can find cynicism in every aspect of what we're doing but at the same time like if we get to celebrate the things that enjoy that we enjoy the most or the things that we find the most joy in that to me is a worthwhile time that to me is a worthwhile endeavor i think is what i meant to say initially and it's it's just I I love doing this. I love being a part of this community in the way that I am. And um, 
you know, we, I don't even remember what the initial thing was that we were the initial statement, but I, and I do, I do sincerely appreciate the notion that we would be missed because mm-hmm. I think that that is, I think that's something that in like, it is in the back of everybody's head when they're talking about, um, if you're older than Perry, take your fiber supplements. That's really funny. I don't have um, any fiber supplements, but I am older than Perry by far. I don't need fiber supplements, but anyway. Um, but it like I is it nice to say that I feel like I might have made a little bit of an impact? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially considering like, you know, my background and, and the way that I was raised and and the people that i have gained and lost over time and um Mm -hmm. you know it it's it's a very existential thing to be talking about a a podcast about um about a commodity (laughs) about about it's not really about a commodity like that that, that's 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 i think that's the through line to all of this is that the commodity becomes the the the, the center hub of the conversation. No, it, about it absolutely community does. and humanity and and art and like that's the thing that I enjoy about what you guys do is that it's not just about whiskey. It's about movies or it's about music or it's yeah. about some other thing. Like and 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 it's just two or three friends having a conversation about stuff, and that's what resonates, you know. Yeah, and I'm 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 not I'm also not trying yeah. to like diminish or or minimalize the what it is that you and i do because Mm -hmm. i think that that's that's totally unfair because it's that's really cute that you said you and i do like what you do let's let's leave it but but john you are still a part of the community you are still part of i mean i'm I'm new here i'm I'm fine with where but but think about it this way Mm -hmm. if if tomorrow march 30th this is my bourbon podcast all of a sudden cease to exist if you know, if I just up and left and said mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore, um, there would still be the people who. Th- this is so masturbatory, but even even the people who like saw what we did and went, you know, I kind of want to do what Perry did, or mm-hmm. I kind of want to you know approach things the way that Eric does, like. I I don't think that that is the worst thing in the world. And, and yeah, it it is not insignificant to talk about the smallest of cogs. And again, that's not trying to diminish what anybody is bringing to the table. It's just the fact that things work in, in very specific and niche ways. And I, if I'm it's weird thinking that maybe, you know, we inspired somebody else to do a podcast, which I mean, you've basically said, but yeah, like just just the the it, even that is just so strange. But um, I just like. I don't know, I I think that. There is a I, this sounds like I'm giving my last interview before. <laughs> before my my untimely death as a you know a, a musical artist or whatever but right right um <laughs> i i just you know we we have done it at the end of the day the best that we can 
Yeah. We've given everything that we can, and um, there there will be there will be more podcasts about bourbon. There will yep. be better ones than Timbip. There will be ones that fall by the wayside. But the thing is, in this moment, we were somewhat relevant. Yeah, and I and I enjoy that for the time being. It's not the only reason that I continue doing this, but. <laughs> independent joe says we'll miss you perry i'm not going anywhere but yeah like i think you said if you if you just kind of rolled up the the carpet tomorrow and said you know we're done i think then the number of well check calls that you would get would be staggering like hey man how you doing yeah absolutely oh that's the that's the other thing too is like um man i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to like turn off my phone for for a minute because i know that i would have to and and you know, I, I do kind of like accept the fact that eventually and I don't know if it's the, you know, the end of the boom or um, what what have you. But I mean, it, you know, all things must pass eventually. But in, in the meantime, I mean, you may as well make the best of it while you can. And I'm just, you know, kind of riding that uh, riding that wave one way or another. Yeah. This so, boom's not but, going anywhere for at least five more years. Like, see, that's the thing that. too. It's like that's the thing is like I can be as existential and as like just just at its bare bones sad about things like that mm-hmm. as I can. But at the end of the day, like I, I I'm not going anywhere. Like I don't no, want to. I don't want to go anywhere. I'm right. enjoying even if the so boom dies. Tim Bip still exists, right? Because you're still going to have it. Because there's still going to be like. A something will something are... will always come from it. Something right. will always be in that place. And I, I take it in the same way that I do musical evolution. Yeah. Right. Like it, in, in uh, good Lord, if I could be on a podcast without having to bring up this guy, it would be a miracle. But I, I take it in the same way that I do John Mayer. Like, <laughs> I just like, I just lift that. But yes, yeah, you're not um, wrong. It, it, like he started out as a pop artist, he reinvented himself with with a blues aspect. Then he became the pop artist again, and then he was doing country stuff, and now he's in the Grateful Dead, and like all of these things. And and if if I can even just find that within what I do creatively with the podcast is uh, that's so cool. And and I mean, like I always strive to do that musically as well, but. Um, you know, you you have to kind of call a spade a spade at some point and accept the fact that things are the way that they are. And eventually, you know, you you will learn those particular life lessons that um, get thrust upon you from time to time. Um, but re- regardless. Um, it. I was never asked on a podcast because of my music. Mm-hmm. I was asked on podcasts because of my podcast. And the things that I did to elevate particular elements of this community. So if if that is like if that is the legacy of Timbip, great. Right. Cool. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm gonna take to my grave. So, so I'll say this, the, the first question that I had, right? So I, I put my questions together and then I try to squeeze them in where it makes sense. You reshuffled. So yeah. The, 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 the nature of it is like the conversation happened in a way that we entered in a different way. 
But the first question I had, it wasn't even a question. It's just so music, right? Because (laughs) I know your connection to music specifically. And that was absolutely the entry point of where I was going to go. It was like, you know, you have a connection with music because you play it. And, you know, you, you sort of bag on yourself a little bit for talking about John Mayer a lot, but. There he's are got a, he's far, got a lot of merit in the community. There he's are got a lot of merit in the music worse community. musicians to, to kind of hang yeah. your hat on. Like, you know, I've always I've always ascribed to the fact that I feel like, you know, he became a pop artist to afford him the opportunity. Exactly. To do everything else he ever wanted to do. Yep. You know, like, I want to make a bunch of money so then I can go and make the the the, the blues trio, you know, like so I yep. can make real music and. You know, if if you think of forebears like Eric Clapton, he didn't have to do that because nobody gave a shit about pop music then. He could come exactly. straight out with fantastic guitar-based music, right? Like, yeah, John Mayer came out at a time when pop mattered, and so he found a way to fund his passion. And yeah. I don't have a problem with that at all. So, so music, <laughs> so music. Let's, um. It's it's weird, and I I don't think that I've ever really like taken the time to be vocal about this or anything. Um, I miss playing music so much. I miss playing in front of live audiences. I miss that immediate feedback. Um, it's one of the reasons that like live shows with a podcast I kind of crave, and um, one of the one of the things that I just you know see as like the the same kind of venue but um there there was a period between the time that i was 20 and 24 so basically four straight years of non-stop like gigging and and being in front of people and and expressing myself through the music that i made and the music that i recorded and um i'm a whiskey tube slash cast institution that is that is some high praise tim but i appreciate the heck out of that he's not wrong thank you thank you thank you that that just it's a weird thing to to think about but (laughs) um but it was it was just four years of like me developing who i was on stage and not that it was a persona, but it just like being comfortable in front of people. And like, I was always the bedroom guitarist. I was always the guy who was practicing, you know, to mm-hmm. um, whatever came up on the shuffle on my, my iPod and, um, you know, learning just, just very, I, I, I am very adept at picking up songs very quickly and, and just learning licks and, and chord progressions and, and everything. And it's very much a part of like, who I have been my, my entire life, which is essentially like teaching myself how to do things. Like I didn't ever really take, I took like one class on um, audio production and that was in my sophomore year of college, my second year of college. I was in college undergrad for seven years. Um, yeah. Tim, yeah. I got um, you, Tim, I got, I got you. Ooh, ooh, okay. I don't think that I've been beat yet. So that's, that's good to hear, John. That's good to hear. But but how many majors did you have in that? And so this is the same conversation. Three. I had three. Four. Um, And I switched, I switched between them pretty quickly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I started out pursuing teaching. Um, I had kind of a falling out with how brutal and and unfortunate the system is. And I just like yep. it's not that I fell out of love with it. It was just that I I didn't want to be a part of it unless it was something better than what it sure. is. Yeah. And, and, and like so, 70% of teaching is not teaching. Exactly. And, and so like, I, I kind of just dropped that. And then I went into a writing and uh, it was writing rhetoric communications, WRC mm-hmm. um, in my first college. And I was, I was doing that for about a year and a half, uh, which truly I believe aside from like graphic design was probably the most formative years that I spent in college. Um, just learning communication skills and, and truly being able to um, express myself the, the way that I felt was the most effective. Um, but then I uh, graphic design was at the, at the end of mm-hmm. all of that. Um, and that's what I, that's when I finally graduated with. Um, I remember telling my dad that I was going to be in college for another four years. Um, it was Christmas Eve of 2014, mm-hmm. uh, 2014, 2015. I can't remember exactly. Um, and we were at a, we were at a little Christmas Eve get together. And I, I drank a lot of beer that day and just finally was like, dad, I got to tell you this, man. <laughs> <laughs> gonna be in college for a little while longer and he's just kind of like can we deal with this next Some week <laughs> <laughs> let's enjoy enjoy the holiday kid yeah anyway yeah. um gosh i've completely lost the thread of all of this i'm so sorry <laughs> no no no, no. We, were, we, were, we were just comparing like college resumes here and you said something oh, yeah. else in there that you you said first college Oh yeah, I was at um, I was at Transylvania University in Lexington oh. um, for for three years, and then I transferred to Eastern Kentucky University mm-hmm. um, in Richmond, which is about thirty minutes south of Lexington. Um, I'm not explaining this to you, John. I'm explaining this to yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> anybody anybody who's listening who may not know, um, but I I wrote out basically another four years of undergrad there, and by the time I was done with it, I was so over it. And I still like it's not that I did like the bare minimum to get past it or get done with it. But like I still have dreams where like I haven't done everything that I need to to be done with college. And I've got like another semester of like two credits that I have to take or one credit or or whatever. And it's just the like I've learned since then that it's my anxiety just manifesting itself, you know, even as I'm sleeping and like, I can still, you know, now wake up and go, that was just a dream. <clears throat> Excuse right. me. That was just a dream. And and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to go to class anymore. It's okay that you missed chemistry a few times, or it's okay that, you know, you weren't the best at, uh, at math or whatever by the end of it. But I'm, I'm only um, laughing because this is, this mirrors a dream that my, my wife has had regularly. And she was, a studious student who finished in you know her four year time frame and did her master's in less than two years, right? She's that person, but she yeah. continually has this dream where they call back and they're like, "Oh, you're not actually done," or they take away your um, diploma because you needed to mm-hmm. finish one other thing or whatever. And like, I've never I took ten years and I never had that problem. I, I went back and got my master's just to prove like I can do school in a normal time frame. Like it was a spite master's degree thoroughly. I was like, Hey man, that's you know, impressive. 
it's stupid expensive. It was a dumb idea, but you know, like I proved it. Like you know, I can do school in a normal time frame. I just wasn't connected. And the reason I asked about college, because like my ten years. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We were talking about music stuff too. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Like this is, it's all, it's all connected, right? Because your you, your time frame is, you know, yeah. College is a time for exploration. It's when you're, t- you know, you, when you were like connecting with music. Mine was. Yeah, very... I, I I put out an album during that time. Yeah. Like I, I, I wrote, um, and, and the songs that wound up on it, um, some of them I wrote when I was 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. So by the time that they finally made it to any kind of physical copy, I mean, they had been with me for like four or five years, which is crazy. I mean, that, that is a long time for me to hold on to songs before I actually, um, do anything with them. And what's crazier is that that album came out eight years ago and I have songs that I now have had longer than any of those songs that were on that record. And you've done um, that. I've done nothing with, and that I still want to put onto an album. Um, and it's, it, you know, again, like the past two years have made me feel like, you know, they haven't actually happened and I'm just kind of waiting for, um, waiting for life to pick back up again. But I, I, I miss, I miss playing music so much. I really, really do. Um, and, and the, the problem of it all is that I have to choose what kind of time I want to spend right. creatively. And fortunately for my, um, financial endeavors and for what I can justify as far as like time spent away from my family, uh, the podcast is where all of that lies. Right. Right. Um, I cannot justify doing the podcast and being um, very, you know, creatively involved in that and trying to um, schedule everything and, and just, you know, basically work the arms and legs so that it, mm-hmm. it doesn't fall on its face. Um, and also at the same time, try to operate the robot on the other side. That is the music that I still want to make and the music that I still have to make. I mm-hmm. have to, I, that's, and that's the thing I have to make music. I have to like, it, it's, it's not, it's not me ignoring the fact that I, I have it there because I've got, I mean, I've got, I've got at least an album's worth of, of music to be made. And I've got music that I want to perform in front of people and, you know, deep cuts for, for folks that may have known me from when I was, you know, a teeny squinny little skinny kid who barely ate anything in his first few years of college and was going through a lot of, uh, going through going through a lot of anxiety and depression um but it's just like i i can't i can't ignore that forever and it's it's not that like it's a this or that situation it's just that like i when i find the time to breathe i will be able to make music again and i will be able to put music out to people again and um there was a band that i was in it i was in excuse me in uh end of 2013 beginning of 2014 up until about um august of that year i mean 
right up to the time where I was starting to get serious about starting the podcast. Um, and it was with a, a young woman. Uh, her name's Ryan Sinclair, who um, now she's she was 16 at the time. She's over 21 now. Um, she has put an album out that has been on the Americana charts, like in the top 10 mm-hmm. Americana charts. And I like at times I'm like, I should have stuck that out. You know, like this, this mm-hmm. the shoulda, woulda, coulda of it right. all. Um, but I do, I do sincerely miss just the, the camaraderie of having a band and, and people that you get together with on a regular basis to even, even if it's not music that you wrote just music that you mutually love and, and being able to perform it together. But I, man, I miss it so much. I, I really, really do. And I think I literally think about it every day. Um, and I, I always kind of told myself that I wasn't going to be that like washed up, musician who did like one thing one time and then just kind of faded away but like i like i'm still committed to that that's the thing is like i still i still am like i can't i cannot not make music i can't allow myself to ignore these things that i have i have created and um i i will music will always be a part of me i know that that's like a, a not it's not exactly a very it, it's not a very profound thing to say um, because I mean, everybody listens to and loves music. Um, but I, I don't know. It, it's, it's so much a part of who I am and, and I cannot ignore it um, forever. And it, it's, it's not that I, it's not that I want to stop making music. I just need mm-hmm. the right time for it. That's, that's all it is. Yeah. Try, yeah, trying to figure exactly. out where it fits in your current life. And and I'll, I'll say there's, there is a segment of population that does not connect to music. I, I know a specific guy who's like, yeah, I just get in the car dude, and drive. I don't turn the radio on at all. And dude, those people I, are called psychopaths. I was in a, okay. I've been in the car once or twice before where I've had the, and it was in the moment of profound sadness. You know, no, no. Or, there, there's you know, a emotion between like, whatever. I drove in my car in silence one time because it was but a you, stressful day. Yeah, something amazing I get you. Like, I get you. Dude, this guy drove every day in complete silence. That's, that's a psychopath. That's like, you're going to be a serial killer eventually, but for musicians and this is what i've seen because i am not a musician but with within arm's reach of me right now is an acoustic electric mandolin acoustic electric guitar electric guitar and electric bass right my wife absolutely can play anything she's that person i on the other hand am like the guy behind the soundboard like i can i let me let me mix the show let me help mix the album i'm that guy and the loss of the ability to play and participate in real and live music, whether it is covers or whether it is originals, is akin to what we talked about a long time ago. Yeah, the loss two, and, of a two and a half hours ago. Yeah, the, the loss of a friendship, the death of a friendship is not yeah. having that a part of your life anymore. Like I distinctly mourn not being a part of band live music even as the guy who sits behind the board just hitting the sliders like you you're not a part of the band like you don't you don't get to be a part of the on stage but you're helping 
craft the experience yeah. and for the people who are on stage, like that's their family. That's their ability to, to, to play and, and enjoy each other. Like it's, it's a deep connection. So the, the last big show that I played before I kind of went into my musical hibernation or um, hiatus or, or whatever, I uh, was in 20. Hold on. Hold on. What year did we get married? We got married in 2016. Right. Yeah. Um, did you say okay, you so married actually, in 2016? Yeah. That is 10 full years after I got married. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so old. Well, I hope you enjoy your uh, 16th wedding anniversary this year, John. Um, but I, I so actually, I, I take that back. Um, my My original timeline. Um, mm-hmm. no, actually that, that might be, that might be about right. Yeah. Like 2013 to about 2017. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I said before. It was the, the prime like music making era, um, for me. And the last big gig that I did, um, was a tribute show in Lexington for Prince. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> It was and it was massive. I mean, I was here. Here, Here's why my brain is like trying to comprehend the fact that, you know, five years ago I was doing this and now I'm just kind of like hanging out. Um, But like that show, I was playing guitar on every song. Mm -hmm. I was playing solos on every song. I was singing out of the set list, we probably had 18 songs. I think that I was probably singing on 12 of them. So like I was so, I was so engrossed in, in that music, but um, the, the point behind this, I apologize. I I completely lost the, (laughs) the train of that, but it it wasn't just like me and the band. Mm -hmm. Like it was never just about me and the band. It was always about the sound mixing. It was always about like the crew behind us, making us look and sound and feel the best that we absolutely could. And like we recorded every practice that we did um, in a studio and we we made sure that we were listening back and that, you know, we were performing at like the tip top of our abilities. But that could not have been possible without somebody who was sitting behind the, mm-hmm. the soundboard and making sure that everything was adjusted the way that it needed to and that we were as in tune as we could be with, you know, the, the legacy of this mammoth performer. Right. Um, which I, I, I think, and I've, I've done a lot of really cool things musically. Um, but I think that that is probably like the pinnacle of what I've been able to accomplish was mm. successfully, orchestrate and then execute a a tribute to one of the best to to prince to prince i don't even have to explain who he is right you you can just say the name or the the artist formerly known like if we if i had the symbol i would (laughs) you know play it up here but we had we had the symbol behind us on stage um it was uh we we called ourselves uh kentucky rain um which you know extremely (laughs) creative but yeah, well, I mean, it, yeah, we had we had works. the we had the the Prince symbol, 
And that, that's us. the thing, like be, being a, a sound person, like if you do your job well, they didn't know you were there. Like that's yeah, that, that's, oh that's yeah, the thing. Dude. like you know they they yeah. I, you being, you always notice the faults before you notice the the successes, right? Well, I mean, m people don't think that way. People think about what's happening on stage. They're they're like, hey, this is the band playing well, mm -hmm. and if the guy in the back makes sure that there's no feedback on a microphone, nobody is way too loud, and like everything hits just right, you don't ever think about the guy in the back. You think about the guy in the back when something goes wrong. Unless it's a broken string exactly. or something that physically happens on stage, if something happens, everybody whips their head around in the back of the room, and you know it was, I got the opportunity to learn pretty well. We're we're in far western Kentucky. We don't have a ton, but we have an event center, and for a period of time, we had a series of artists that came through that. I, I didn't get to work the sound booth, but I got to talk to the guys who worked the sound booth. And so we, we had, we had like Nickelback and we had Bob Dylan and we had, and for everybody that wants to bag on Nick, you can, whatever you want to say about Nickelback, that's fine. But I'm, I'm, I'm so over that. Like, it's just, they made a ton you know, of money and had a <laughs> ton of top 10 hits. Right. So there was some degree of production that happened there, but we had like Kanye West came to Murray and like these series of Lord. artists that are all being displayed in different ways. And I'm talking yeah. to the guy that works their sound booth. Like that's a thing that is super interesting. And th they all have the same stories. Like if I do my job, well, nobody knows I was here because yeah. my goal is to make sure the artist looks as good as they possibly can, because they're the true artist at that point. Well, and, and that's something that I kind of took with me as as far as like, because I mean, there was a period before I ever stepped into a studio when I was making I was making my own recording, excuse me, writing, recording, editing and releasing my own music. Right. So I was doing like the whole gamut of of everything. And I mean, it, it is kind of kind of like that, like constantly learning process where you know it's i i know what to listen for now and i know how to kind of adjust things around mm -hmm. so that they sound as best as they can in any particular situation um but at the at the same time like it, it's it's never an exact science i mean depending on the you know the the equipment that you're using or the, the space or or whatever i mean like Tomorrow's episode that's coming out, there is a lot of background noise. There is a mm -hmm. lot of like, like fumbling around with the microphone, too. But and, and I mean, like, that's because people don't know what to do with microphones. They have no clue how mm -hmm. to just hold a microphone and not make it sound like there's it's, it's just, e it usually ends up being like they're going to hold it. And I know this is going to make for terrible audio, but they hold it down here, hold it out here. Like, the, yeah. Like or, there's or, the construction to this specific microphone. I have to talk into the side of it. And generically, I want to feel my own breath coming off of it. Right. Like that's that's what works well. The one that I got the most often was like this. Yep. At like, I mean, what is that? Just like 10 inches away from the face. It's that's, an, that's, un, that's almost unusable. Yeah. <laughs> it, no, it is unusable. Right. Like because. Yeah. To get anything of any valuable gain, you have to turn it so high that you're also getting the mouse that's breathing on the other side of the room, right? Like you're you're, you're getting everything. Yeah. So so bubble bath says that's when you got to prep them. 
the thing about that was I had like five to 10 minutes with everybody that I interviewed <laughs> at the con. You're, you're doing so like a man on the spot bit, which you, I, you I essentially had that. to, I had to, and I had to be like, Hey, um, are you okay with doing this for a few minutes? And if they said yes, um, then I just kind of scrambled to get all my equipment out and everything. Mm-hmm. So the audio quality of the episode that's coming out tomorrow kind of varies it's up and down. Um, but it, it's, it's overall, it, I mean, it's still very listenable. Um, I mean, like, is I it will, coming out tomorrow? Because, like, at this point, you still haven't yes. finished it, right? Like, yes, it is. It is coming out tomorrow. Um, like the I'm unedited into your, version, your edit time still. <laughs> the unedited version is on uh, Patreon right now, right. at the very least. But I, I, I've been tweaking some things here and there because, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like putting out that that really raw episode for for Patreon because I mm-hmm. think that it just kind of, you know, gives that back backseat kind of view to what it is that we're they're getting the view of the work that you so patreon is paying you some money to to get some sort of a benefit right that view gives them the the ability to understand the amount of work that you did to make the publicly available version available right like yeah absolutely now there's other things that patreon gives you and and i'm I'm a patreon i I support what you guys do and thank you for the stuff that comes with it well you know it's realistically there's no thanks needed like you're doing a good job so i'm giving you money because i think you're doing a good job right like that's that's well, what it's regardless, about. regardless as soon as you start sucking you. then no more i'm done <laughs> this week we're gonna talk about the best kind of thread to use when you're trying to figure out how how to build a pillow now this week Cotton. We got oh, the fun. got the half uh, half a million count. Um, if you if you use it real carefully, you can uh, you can floss your teeth. <laughs> you, then, you're really dedicated to this one. You're, you're going all <laughs> the way. Like I, kudos <laughs> to you, man. Like you're owning this, dude. I I, I will run with a bit. I will yes. absolutely run with a bit. And that, um, that's what I appreciate about your show <laughs> is that you just you just explore the space, you know. I got it. You got to be, uh, yeah. You got to be comfortable with the the fact that there are no rules. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> except the, the ones that the, you you present for yourself. It's the Will Ferrell skit that was on Saturday Night Live about cowbell. You know, like he's just trying to explore the space. With oh the yeah, cowbell. absolutely. Yeah, and he just it's a, like he just is. I'm, I'm gonna explore the space with it. You, know, you, you gotta you gotta explain. I it say I say that a lot when um when I'm trying to like the, the first couple of months that Eric was on the show, I, I had to, I had to like say that to him just to kind of like loosen him up and, and allow him to <laughs> feel like he was in, you know, an accepted space. Um, but I th- I do think that now is a good time for us to bring up the fact that this episode of the embellished podcast is in fact sponsored by raid shadow legends. Uh, you can use the, that- uh, <laughs> Look, look that—that's the one that got me. I, I will give <laughs> all of that. I'm so good. We watch. A it was so good, of, mate. We watch a ton of YouTube in this house because we don't pay for cable. There's a a lot of uh, creators that are on YouTube that my children really like, but the number of people that are sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends is obscene it's, it's absolutely insane and then my question is like i don't know how they make money like what why are they not have you been approached by ray shadow legends like what are you doing wrong like <laughs> i i i have not i have not and the thing is because i mean like i i don't we don't have the numbers on youtube for one mm-hmm. um but like i don't know like if i you know who i'm really worried about who hasn't been 
contacted by Raid Shadow Legends yet is Clifton. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, that's, no, I, that's well, the you guys space. Talk, you guys talk about video games enough that maybe Raid Shadow Legends <laughs> makes sense. You know, you've you've got your own bit about it, but I there, there's a blacksmithing channel that we watch. And that, he regularly is, is so sponsored funny. by Ray Shadow. I'm so like, funny. this guy's the farthest <laughs> human being from gaming ever. Like, why is this? Like, it's it's a it's a trope at this point. Like, it's a, it's just a joke. <laughs> we got this guy who he he debones camels and uh, he he feeds the soup to immigrant children and uh he's got a raid shadow legend sponsorship next right week, but but then, then you ask yourself okay well, like if that guy is so far removed like why is nobody contacting me i know i know like i i do kind of just want and i mean like i would turn it down because right I, like, but you want to be on no, the list you i do be considered. i totally do i don't but, know what I, I don't know what i'm doing wrong i'm gonna have to look into it and just ask people you know questions of like you know what? What is? How your, did you get there? How did you what get was to the? the, the right yeah, what was the absolute base minimum that you reached so that Raid Shadow Legends? <laughs> you know what's funny too? I really don't know what Raid Shadow Legends is as a game. Like I, I, I've seen some still images from it, but it, this is what it's like to me. About fifteen years ago, um, my dad and I were sharing a storage unit in town where we were just you know, storing things. Right. And he got a phone call. He's like, Hey, somebody broke into the storage unit. You need to go check and see what's missing, claim it on insurance, whatever. So I go up there and he's like, Hey, I don't know what you had in there. I know what I had. And so we meet up there and we start pilfering around. Like nobody stole anything. They just broke in. And you know, the, the, the first, the first thought is like, I'm relieved that all my stuff is still there. Right. Second thought is like, why isn't my stuff worth stealing? Like, <laughs> what, what what did I do wrong? And that's what, like, like it, wh- why am I not worth Raid Shadow Legends? Like, I know that it is like, it's like the hurt piece of advertising, right? Like, if, if, like, if they reach out to you, you've definitely got it now. But I mean, I guess I have to say yes, but I really don't want to. <laughs> right. Like, I appreciate being considered more than anything else because it means, yeah, exactly. right. But like, nobody stole anything. They just broke a few boxes and containers. Like, what what do I gotta do to have somebody steal my stuff? You know, like what do I gotta do to get Raid Shadow Legends? Man, thanks, Bubba. Maybe Man. someday, maybe someday, right? But you know, someday, someday they're gonna be well. Whenever they're they, finally the, the list the is gonna run out eventually. Like that's the thing. <laughs> like they're gonna start like, it, and and I joked about like knitting channels, mm-hmm. but like eventually it is gonna be these seventy five year old women who have a knitting channel and raid shadow legends is going to be like, you know what? We got something here. We really figured out the next big in for our market. And there it's, it's going to take off one way or another. I mean, it's, it is an almost infallible. They're capturing the segment of users who brought up the knitting channel for their grandmother, but they are the teenager who is just technologically. Exactly. Exactly. Focused marketing. Oh my goodness gracious. This has been, this has been a crazy three hours that we've just. Right. Yeah. We're, we're pushing in on three hours at this point. Um, The only other question. So I have one more question. Okay. And maybe you can answer this for me because I've thought about this a lot and it doesn't make a ton of sense. 
Okay. I'm the, I'm I'm not usually the uh the final answer guy, but let's let's see what I got for you. Okay. So you have an affinity affinity for um travel to Disney. Is that a correct statement that I've made? Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. What is with the number of whiskey podcasters that have a direct affinity for traveling to Disney? <laughs> I don't know. Dude, I don't know. It's, I, I, I have there's thought about correlation, there's causation. I understand those things are not always connected, but the number of people as it's like, as I start to listen more and more and like people are like, Oh yeah, we're going to Disney. We're doing this. Like I know why I like it. How, how, how do we, how did we get here? How did all I don't the know. people I, like I, Disney part? Okay. So part of me wants to just kind of take the easy way out and say, it's because we appreciate the finer things in life. And we like, you know, spending a little bit more for the experience of, of things like that. But I don't, I don't know if that's entirely it. I, I think that even steeped in like our love of bourbon is still somewhere a bit of nostalgia that is nested itself. And I think that like Disney, I mean, it, it's, it's inescapable at, at this point, but just the fact that Disney is so built on nostalgia and, and the way that people, you know, consume their, their media and the fact that you get to go to this place where it's almost, it, it's, it's it's inclusive and you're just like here's this thing that i get to share my love of with so many people but at the same time like i had to sell my kidney to get here like it feels like that though mm -hmm. so i i don't know exactly i think that it it, it oh it's so hard to to pinpoint but i think at the at the end of it all it's that we we like having our our little clubs or we like mm -hmm. having things that we can share in with with other people. I think saying clubs is probably a little bit negative uh, in, in some respect, but I don't think so. I, 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 I mean, it, it can be viewed as such because, you know, you're trying to be exclusive and, you know, you're trying to keep other people right. from accepting it. But like at the same time, I mean, um. I, I don't know, dude. That, that's such a like. I feel like we need to do a large roundtable discussion with with whiskey tubers about why is it that we all just love Disney and love Disney World. It's 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 so endlessly fascinating. I mean, I me. intend to ask the question this weekend because I know that Will has a degree of affinity for Disney, and I know that Eric, uh, does, uh, yeah, know you do like. My, I have my personal suspicions, and this is this is my thought on it. Is that I almost I almost want you to save it until okay. I I hear what other people think. I think I like I I hate to I hate no, no, to no, cut no. you off on your own show. No, 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 I no, really want to hear. You, after... you make a, you make a, a very salient point there. <laughs> I do like the Nate said that uh, down to brass tacks. It's money for tribalism. It does kind of feel that way. It does kind of feel that way, you know, but at the same time, the I don't know if I, I think that's a little bit reductive. I, I think I agree with that. People will spend money for whatever they want to spend money on. Uh -huh. And I, I, the thing that bothers me that 
I'll start with the gripes that I have about going to Disney. Like I absolutely hate going to it's Disney expensive. and seeing the people that wear the shirts. Like I paid an arm and a leg for this, or Dad's paying for this for like you know they like, they, they all have up, Disney man. shirts. Like, we get it, shut we all did. It. it sucks, but it's this. There, there's there's people that'll spend seventy five thousand dollars on an RV to go to state parks, and they enjoy that, and that is okay, right? Like yeah. this is a thing that you can do. And enjoy spending time like you can find a way to make Disney work on whatever your budget is. Maybe you only get, you know, one trip to one park every five years. You can make it work. So it's sure. not necessarily tribalism. It's a matter of prioritization. And, you know, I'm, I'm in a very privileged. I'm a white male in America. I'm in a very privileged place. right? Like I acknowledge that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, I didn't want to be the first person to say it. I wanted to allow that. To, no, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm I get you. I get you though, man. I know. I'm hyper aware of where I am. Like, yep. hope to holler. You, you know, you know what this is. This is this is Charles Booker. Uh huh. Charles. Yep, Booker. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm aware of where I sit in, in the ecosystem, and you know, it it is what it is. But if you want to find a way, you can potentially make Disney happen at least once. You can go see yeah. what it's about. Um, I have my thoughts on why I think whiskey people have an affinity for it. I'll save that for a later date. Obviously. Yeah, let's let's um, uh, let's discuss that this weekend at, at Whiskey Weekend, so that sure. we can. Because uh, I I've got to hear, I've got to know what what Will and Grease think about that. Man. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've 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 just noticed it more and more. Like as I pick up, and um, I think there's probably a degree of the the finer things concept. But at the end of the day, like unless you're staying at the top tier of everything is Disney really the finer things in life? Like it's no, I mean, essentially no, it's not, but yeah, it, it can be if you're willing to once again, sell your kidney, you know, it, it is what it is. Indeed. Anyway, I don't think I asked like half the questions I wanted to ask. And we are at a solid three hours. We've we got to really make two are. more minutes to make sure that you become the reigning champion of duration for the dude. Let's do it. Let's do it. I, I, I I've gone this far. There's no reason for right. me to, to not claim that title. Yeah. For, I mean, if it's appropriate, it is absolutely appropriate. Um, ask me, I don't know if these are like some rapid fire questions, but I can at least, um, I can reduce what I am, what I am answering with to a couple of sentences at the very least. So I can bring back a few things. Um, how did you get to a place where you're like, yeah, I'm going to make a podcast. Um, I felt like there was enough of a void when I was getting into it. Um, as far as like younger people talking about mm -hmm. it, um, to where I thought that I had something to add to the conversation. And I also felt like I was still like my, my, my palate and my experience was still developing an, enough to where I feel like I could share that with other people. Um, and I also felt like I could produce it in a very listenable format. Um, for a lot of people, it took a long time for me to um, accept that I had things that I needed to uh, alter slightly, but all, all around um, it, it, it was really just, you know, feeling like I, I could contribute in some way to the community at large. And, and I enjoy that you, you came from a place like 
I can contribute to the community. I came from a place of like, this is selfish. I want to be able to have conversation. Like I want to be able to talk to Perry for three hours. I want to be able to have a conversation with Alan Bishop from, you know, spiritual. Dude, I want to, I want to talk to people for three hours too. Like I, that's the thing is that I, I don't get the opportunity as much anymore to Mm -hmm. just like chat with people. And I remember when like, um, I remember when I, I Jason for mash and drum was, was first starting and we like, um, we, we did like shared streams with each other. Right. Like that's great. Jason has like blown up so right. far past what I do. And it's just crazy to think about the fact that like in any conceivable way, I was like a stair step for that. Mm-hmm. And even then I think I'm giving myself way too much credit. But I, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. Like you're, you're a little bit too humble. Um, I think you, you've got to, you, you have to be able to accurately assess your own self-worth, right? Like you, you got to be able to do that. You know? like, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that I, in the three hours that we've been talking, I feel like you, <laughs> you're reluctant to assess, assess your self-worth because you're afraid it's going to sound like bragging. I okay. Oof. That was hey. That really cut at me, I will say. Um I think that is part of it, but it's also just I I want to be honest with where where I sit within the world at any given time. Um man this this is so this is so cutting like in in some ways but at the i mean same i'm not time, trying to cut you i, I don't no 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 no, no. Like it's it's you know, it's not that at all it's it's just that i like i have to like grapple with why i feel about these things the way that i do mm-hmm. um and and part of it is because like i know that there are things in this world that are making way more of a difference than what i do right um right, so like I, comparison is the thief of joy man i and and i and i get that i get that but my my experience is that where i am is where i have mm, is what i have built and what i have been fortunate enough to share with other people but there are other things that people collectively share that have more of an impact than what I do. If that makes sense. Yeah, like I, 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 well, I, I just mean, don't, you're using, you're using a term like more of an impact. And, and I think the term you probably should be using, and I'm not a psychotherapist is like a different impact. Right. Because you're, you're still, that's, talking that's in, totally in fine. That's totally fine. I I just I don't know. Um I don't know. I I always consider myself just to be uh, I'm I'm just Perry. Like Right. And and, and that's that's, that's, just, fine. that's like, just how it, I am. The, and and Tim said you're you're too humble. And, and I think that is accurate. And and I I, I don't think you can part. ever be too humble. I think that, I think I you think, can though. Like because I think you sometimes humility be, can become a limiting factor, right? Like if you think, ah, I'm just good enough for this, it, it it's the thing that prevents no, you from okay. feeling well, free. So I don't, I don't think that I'm, 
um i don't think that i'm just good enough i feel mm. like i i well represent what i have to offer mm-hmm. like i i feel like i know my ceiling i know my limit so i'm i'm not trying to like overstep my bounds or i'm not trying to like talk myself up past a point that i can't live up to mm-hmm. so that's that's where i'm coming from i think it's more of a, a place of um self-realization than it is uh just general humility but ceilings are usually just self-limitation at least in my in my okay experience. okay sure sure that, right? and, and, and that may and be I mean, like I, the extent of where you want to take it. it i don't know that it's the extent of where you can take it those are two different things and that's and that's totally reasonable and i can totally understand why my point of view is incorrect like no, I, no, no, no. not not incorrect <laughs> back to well, like it's just different it's not an incorrect sure sure sure, sure. yeah but yeah i i think i and, and i think some of these these folks agree is that i think that you are too humble you need to be like hey i i, I am good at this people value what i do i, I it, I guess it's just it's just weird mm-hmm. in some ways for me to be like people think that what I say and and the way that I review things is important valid that's really yeah. strange to me so I think that like even still you know I I have to kind of come to be true though right yeah no no no, no. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. it isn't true but it's just like I I kind of have to come to grips with that and in, in some capacity so right. um I understand that completely. I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to devalue that because I regularly look no, at my wife and be like, why would you agree to marry me? Like, like, like why dude, did you think that this dude, is a I good feel, idea? I feel that. I feel that from time to time. Right. I mean, I, I really do. And, and there's that thing in, uh, in how I met your mother where there was the small little argument over who's the reacher and who's the settler. Yep. And I always feel like I was the reacher. Always feel mm-hmm. like that. And it's because I think that I am more aware of and more um, just, just, I shoot more critical of my own flaws. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's just, that's just what it is. Um, That's, that's all it is. So I, I, I work harder every day to be more aware of and more, uh, confident in the the things that I make that people consume because mm-hmm. I do feel like that there is value in that. And so I'm trying to just be, if I'm the reacher in the relationship, that means I that won. Means <sighs> that's, I mean, that's a good point. But but like, I also lost, don't want, right? Like if you, if you're saying somebody won, that means someone else lost. And see, that's I the thing is like, I don't want to be like, I doubt you, that your you, wife feels like she lost. See, that's the thing, too, is like I can't I can't like argue one side because then I wind up like losing the argument on the other side, too. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's if 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 I could stop having that argument with myself, it would be over the fact that we have a child. That's that's the end point is like mm-hmm. we, it doesn't matter where we came from or, you know, who we thought we were or whatever. It's the fact that we love each other enough to, you know, create life. That's mm-hmm. the end point. That's that's for me. Like, I mean, not just, you know, I'm really digging myself a hole here, John. What's your what's your <laughs> let me, next? Uh... <laughs> let, me, let me give you one last question. So this is the last yeah. question. And I will not 
contradicted or do anything. So you, you've you've been a dad for eighteen months, which in and of itself is a feat, considering the entirety of your fatherhood has been within the confines of COVID. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know, I don't know how I would have been able to manage that, considering like both of my children are, you know, like they were able to pour their own drinks and do their own things for the duration of COVID. Like they were able to like fix their own yeah. macaroni and cheese. Like, yeah. That that's that's a thing. Like that is a thing going from like no human being to an eighteen month old during the, the the portion of COVID. But your girl dad, yeah. What what what's your key learning as a girl dad that you can pass on? Because this is the thing. I, I had this discussion with one of my coworkers. Her she's she's having a child, and I've met her husband. And I was like, I think he would be a fantastic girl dad because. Oftentimes, historically, girl dads have been really shitty. Like, they've just not been good. They've been like, oh, I wish I'd have had a boy, or I'm going to try to make this girl into a tomboy, or I'm going to go into the girly girl. Like, we we don't know how to raise women regularly, or at least. Sure. I had oh, a brother. Yeah. Like, of it, it's, 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 Arguably, it's, I don't think that we know how to raise uh, people. healthy healthy men either, <laughs> but people in In, people in the in same general, thing. Yeah. And, and that's. But but there are people that I think I can see now after having been a girl dad for eleven years and be like that guy, that guy's the right one. That guy's the right one. He needs to 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 be a father of a girl because he's going to produce strong women that feel comfortable in who they are and they don't have to, you know, fall into the to the the, the trappings of what modern America says a, a girl has to be. Yeah. All that aside, what have you learned as a girl dad so far? that you can like pass on as advice to other people who may not be equipped or if anything. That is, that is a lot to answer in, in this particular scope, but. Um, there are a couple of things that, that I think that I have latched onto the most. Um, and it's, it's not always, I would say to the benefit of being a girl dad, but just kind of being just, just towards the benefit of being a, a father in general. Um, the first one is that. And, and actually this is more specific towards being a girl dad. Um, you are going to be expected by your child, by your daughter, to be more comforting and be more snugly than their their mom is going to be. And it's it's not out of a place of um, dejection, and it's not out of a place of uh, re- resentment for for the mother. It it's solely like. Over those first few years of development, they are relying so heavily on, and it, it's it's very, I think, constricted to whether or not the mother is breastfeeding. But you know, they are so constricted to this is the person who is giving me nourishment. I am going to latch onto that when I go to them. I am looking for comfort in the form of nourishment. And then when I go to this other person, I am there because they are going to generally comfort me and I can snuggle with them and feel safe. And I think that that's like, I think that's one of the best parts of being a girl dad 
is that you get to have a relationship with them that allows them to feel safe and special and comfortable in a, in a way that it is again, not taking anything away from, from mothers Mm -hmm. because I, it's impossible for me to imagine being um, the, the dad that I am without Lucy. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, sorry it's really really like tough to to vocalize and everything but Mm -hmm. um it's just a very fortunate aspect that you get to um you get to kind of shape them and and be communicative communicative with them in a way that shows them that it's okay to feel things right because i think that the 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 mother in this aspect is just straight up like comfort. Right. But then the dad in this instance or the other partner, I don't mean to limit this to just heteronormative um, relationships, but um, the, the other partner in this regard um, can allow them the space to explore emotions and feel emotions that they might not be able to understand otherwise. And at, at 18 months, it is really difficult. But the thing that I really try to drill home with her is it's okay to be upset over a situation, but we have to be aware of the way that we feel about things. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And, it it it's so important to just be cognizant of your emotional health. That is so that is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if that's you know I I, I <clears throat> attribute a large a large part of that to having dealt with plenty of emotional and and mental issues since I was young, mm-hmm. um, and and learning how to deal with them as I've gotten older. Um, <clears throat> also, sorry, my voice is apparently starting to go, which never happens. Um, I mean, it's been three hours, so it has, it has been three hours. That's true. Um, but it just, it, it's, it's a level of connection that you are giving yourself the, the opportunity to, um, to really mold and, and make, make your own. Um, on the flip side of that, though, um, a big thing that I had to learn um, very quickly as soon as our daughter started becoming more active and started, you know, just developing her own personality was that I am not going to handle things the same way that my wife is. And my my method of handling or dealing with you know, uh, emotions or, or just reprimanding is not always going to line up. It's just not, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's just a girl, dad thing. I know that's not just a girl, dad thing. Yep. Um, but it, it's again, way big callback, but it's, uh, it, not everybody's wired the same way that I am. We don't all see things through the same lens. Um, so it's a uh, it, it, being. I think it's being a dad is as 
transformative an experience as anyone can have if you are willing to accept the fact that things are changing in a way that you basically don't have a whole lot of control over mm-hmm. anymore. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. I think I went on yeah. way longer than I intended to. No, 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 no. I, I mean, as well. it, like when but, you start talking about parenting, you, you, there there's like existential problems. There's philosophical problems. There's like the things that you want to do versus the things that you actually do. Like it's yeah. Man, parenting is a mistake. Like it's it is so just, weird. It's so weird. Like it's the I, best. Uh, every time someone I, I work with gets pregnant, like it's the best mistake you're ever going to make. Like, the, the thing that I like, I have to, I have to rationalize with myself is that there is no rationalizing with a child of that age. You can tell them over and over again, please don't do that. Please stop. Please just sit on your bottom. You don't have to get up in the chair right now. Right. It's dangerous if you get up in the chair right now. And there is no level of reckoning that can come with understanding for them. And they, so they don't understand kinda... what danger is. They, they have no exactly. concept of it. And exactly. this is, you know, pe- people, every time uh, somebody is like, you know, what, what's your parenting advice? And I always, you know, like, it is perfectly normal to look at your child and want to shake them. Like just like shake the life out of them. It's not normal to do it. It's normal to feel that way. Because I, you know what? And that it, I don't think that that's something that we talk about enough either no. as, as parents. Right. Um, and you feel like a failure when you feel that way because. Oh, you, you totally do. Dude, absolutely. Absolutely. There, and and there's, it's, there's it's like it's this not... huge communication barrier that exists between you and a person who, who their prefrontal cortex is not developed until they're like in their 20s. <laughs> like you don't process yeah. information the same way. But like thinking about an infant. Like, what is the idea of falling asleep? The idea of falling asleep probably feels like death to them because the world slowly closes in and then the nothingness. Like, they don't understand that sleep. And then there's and there's nobody around. No, there's there's nobody to comfort them. And then they wake up in a panic. Right. And it's it. You know, the longer that you wait to make that, I you know, a sense of comfort, the harder and harder it gets. And so. It's that's actually something we're dealing with right now, but that's for it. Right. Yeah. It, it, but it's like um, the, the, the best separation anxiety. Like, yeah. You're you're going to screw your kids up like this is what you're going to do. You're going Dude. to screw, you're going to find a new <laughs> and unique way to do it as opposed to what your parents did, because yeah. you're going to see what your parents did. You're going to see what your grandparents did. You're going to be like, I'm not going to do that. You're going to find a new way. You're going to find a brand new way to do it. And that's okay. You're you're striving to do the dead level best you can to raise another human being with another personality, with another set of traits that is some weird amalgamation of you and your spouse or whoever you happen to procreate with. (laughs) Like there's, well, that's that's the other thing too. And I think it kind of um, piggybacks off of what I was saying earlier. Um, It's okay to disagree with your spouse or your partner or whomever Mm -hmm. on how to raise a child. (laughs) I think I think it's okay because yeah. it allows you to have better conversation and a, a more open line of communication um, about what you think is uh, right or appropriate and what they think is right or appropriate. And then just moving on from there. I mean, it, it's not like a, I don't know. I, I think you, I think you have to, I think you have to uh, be willing to have conversations in order to be the best partner or yep. parent that you can't be 
That's that's what parenting is, is like one continuous conversation of how you've potentially done well or done poorly. Like it's, it's very internalized too. I mean, it's a lot of self-reflection and and Mm -hmm. going, all right, what did I do wrong today? If anything, what can I do better tomorrow? Celebrate the wins and, 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 and figure out how to um, mitigate the failures. It's, it's a continual, continual development. So, Nate says uh, you should have at least four years of college and one spite bachelor's in parenting before having a kid. Change my mind. Man, I'll say this. Like my, my I never did raise had, that flower stack. So yeah, my grandmother had neither of those and she raised eight children and oh. at least four of them were successful. Measuring degree, different measures of success. So yeah, there are some things that people can just do. Um, you know, like Einstein couldn't do algebra in, you know, what high school or whatever. <laughs> like, so maybe that's not it. Like the other thing is like crackheads raise babies all the time. You know, the, the, can you do better than that? Like that, that where, where's your bar of success? And, and I have some low bars of success and we'll talk about that offline because those are things that aren't appropriate for here, but completely um, different conversation that we've been. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this one up because we are at three hours and 20 minutes at this point. Um, I appreciate you for being here tonight. I absolutely had a blast. I'm super looking forward to uh, Memorial day weekend, spending that in, in, in Lexington with you guys. And then obviously the, the upcoming pick, these are all things that I'm, super 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 excited about um thank you for joining me i'm going to bump you off we're going to do the close uh appreciate you for being here tonight perry thank you john so uh, thanks for joining me tonight or today or whenever you happen to catch this if you've made it all the way to the end i super super appreciate you i hope you found this episode entertaining we talked about everything in the whole world like there is nothing that we missed tonight but if you did enjoy this please leave a review on whatever platform that you happen to be uh, consuming this content on leave a comment if you're if if at all possible and hit hit me up on social media at twitter or instagram using embellish pod and give me a follow you can keep up with what's going on um, i can be, also be found at www.embellishpod.com all of my links account contact details whatever uh, i'll be back again next week with another new offering so until then cheers and thanks for hanging out tonight it's 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 been a super super blast 